Love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D&D adventure. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash finish the fight and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash finish the fight. This is Spartan 117. Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight. Welcome back, everyone, to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I am your host, Alex Kendall. And as always, we're going to start this week's episode off with some updates. Two really big ones that kind of have everyone talking right now is the first one is Halo Reach coming to MCC for the Xbox has kind of been delayed for, I, I think I've read indefinitely for now. Yeah, so so it's still coming for flight testing. So so mm-hmm. there's no worries that it won't be included. But one of the biggest things that I don't think 343 looked at when they released the Master Chief Collection was the amount of memory that they'd have to deal with Mm -hmm. for each game on there. And that, one, they're eating up uh, your hard drive size. And two, you're basically packaging with Reach coming that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight almost individual games if you include both of the anniversary collections yeah um all under one roof with you know even more forge coming even more firefight other things they want to test so we'll see what they end up doing and what their solution is we did get to see some really creative bugs yeah threw up online which is really neat yeah we we posted one on our instagram but there was there was a handful more of like jets killing uh you know just regular soldiers and other things so definitely go check that out because it was really cool and even seeing uh the one we posted on our instagram was actually an old bug in the xbox 360 Mm -hmm. version so it's kind of crazy to think that as they're porting this over these bugs are kind of re-emerging yeah moving on to other news let's talk about the halo tv show they've cast six more people for it and it's pretty exciting to see that we have a natasha McElhone as cortana and halsey we have bokeem woodbine as soren uh 066 we have shabana as me as admiral margaret Perengoski. we have bentley kalu as an unnamed spartan Natasha Kolzak as an unnamed Spartan and Kate Kennedy also as an unnamed Spartan. So it's kind of making me wonder where they're going to go because as we learned a few months ago, I think that they're not going to follow the canon. They're kind of going to go off on their own beaten path. So I'm really curious to see what's going to go on exactly. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with having to not have restrictions on what all goes with and against the grain of what's been established. Mm -hmm. And I think it allows us as consumers of Halo Media to go at it at a different point. I don't have to think like, well, back in episode two, uh, this series of this thing this one person said something, you can just kind of have this be your own story Mm. and you guys can embrace it as you want. If you really enjoy it, awesome. If you don't, you know, awesome as well. Like, enjoy it as a single piece of media that doesn't have to be 
dictated mm-hmm. by parameters already set. Well, yeah. Well, you also got to think is that we have video games, comics, books, like a million other things that if this goes sour, it's not the end of the world. Granted, this will be the first time we see an actual TV show. We've only had two actual full-length movies. So it's kind of odd to think that full live action movies, but it's mm-hmm. a lot of people are really banking on this to be good. Now, I would like it to be good, but I digress either way. Yeah, I'm, and I'm excited for it because a lot of these actors and actresses are from Marvel movies, uh, The Witcher coming up on, on Netflix mm-hmm. and a, a couple others in here, which are really cool to see that they're staying, I guess, in the same wheelhouse of fantasy. Yeah, fantasy sci-fi. So mm-hmm. it, it's really cool. But, you know, I guess only time will tell it's going to start filming this fall. So we'll see what happens and if it's going to be any good or not. And if you happen to be working on set on any of these, we would love you guys to send us some pictures. Exactly. Some sneak peeks. All of our uh, bootleg copies of everything. You know how it is. <laughs> All of our film set listeners out there. So let's move on to the topic at hand for today. Halo Uprising. This is really, really exciting, and I actually had never read this before we started researching for this episode. So it was a really cool initiative to get us to to open up this comic book that we have on the table and go through it. Well, it's cool because it's their first dive into an actual series of comics mm-hmm. instead of just a collection of stories. Yeah, and this was more so not them coming up with it. Instead, you know, they worked with Marvel, and Marvel came up with this idea. So... Halo Uprising is the first multi-issue comic from the Halo franchise published by Marvel Studios acting as the bridge between Halo 2 and 3. Four issues were released from August 2007 to April 2009. It was written by Brian Michael Bendis and illustrated by Alex Maleev. So let's, let's dive a little more into... Brian and Alex. Sure. Uh, So as we said, with Bendis, he's an American comic book writer and artist, which helps having both of those ideas in your Mm -hmm. head as you're going through this. And so over the years, he's won five Eisner Awards for his work, which is honestly killer to get for any comic he's, book he's, writer. He's won 14 awards total. Yeah. Um, and that's just beyond those Eisner rewards. I think like uh, Wizard Magazine has given him some as well. Mm-hmm. And then he has like five or six nominations on top of that. And it makes sense because he was the man behind Ultimate Spider-Man, New Avengers, Age of Ultron, Siege, Secret Invasion, Secret War, and House of M. So I guarantee all of you have recognized several of his names, even mm-hmm. if you're not a comic book nerd like we are. Like, you get the impact that he's had on the comic universe. Yeah, and and those aren't even including smaller one-off issues he's done for series as well. Mm -hmm. And one really cool, unique thing with him is that he does take some inspiration from the likes of Frank Miller, but he gets most of his influence... From those screen and playwrights, which is which is crazy. Yeah, yeah he's definitely a well-known, unique guy, and definitely reading interviews with him, he seems very, very lighthearted as well. Like, I feel like he's that guy that can talk to anyone about anything. And he's also that guy who happens to be teaching at the University of Oregon. So, mm-hmm. yeah. on top of being, you know, a, a very accomplished professional comic writer and artist, he's taken those skills over to the university side of it, and is, you know, teaching the, teaching the masses, teaching them young minds mm-hmm. on how to write some beautiful comics. Yep, I think that's like literally the class he teaches is is writing comic books, essentially, or at least writing the story for one. So let's move on to Alex Maleev. He is a Bulgarian comic book artist who regularly collaborates with Brian Michael Bendis. Alex is best known for his art in Batman, Hellboy, Daredevil, Spider-Woman, Civil War, and The Crow. Bendis also claims that Alex is a hardcore Halo fan. So I think that's really cool that instantly, like, one of the interviews I was reading, they're like, yeah, by the way, 
he's a huge Halo fan, so this will be a breeze for him. And the art speaks for itself in that sense. It helps so much. I mean, you, you already have the background material that you need for all of this. You've been a fan, so you know what these creatures look like, how they respond, mm-hmm. and what it takes for Master Chief to do things, uh, the, you know, Covenant hitting Earth. Things like that that he's writing about in this is going to play a huge portion in how the art comes across and, you know, how the storytelling goes, which is awesome. Yeah, exactly. So now let's move on to writing the comic itself. After the success of the Halo graphic novel, Marvel and Bungie announced at the 2006 Comic-Con that they would be extending their deal and releasing Halo Uprising. The announcement itself was actually pretty vague, so a lot of people assumed it was going to be an ongoing series instead of a four-issue series. Writer Michael Bendis actually part of the original pitch for Marvel to publish the graphic novel. So I think it's cool, kind of this full circle going around. And then when it came to writing Uprising itself, Bungie wanted to explore lesser known characters and events in the comic like they did with the graphic novel. And it makes sense because what are you going to do? Do a retelling of something or try and push a super important piece of meat, like piece of uh, lore? Into it? I mean, it doesn't really make sense how you do that. Well, yeah, because you got to think like, and and it, people have made this complaint with the books, but luckily Bungie was never really associated the games with the books. You know, what if something major happens in this comic that will affect Halo 3? I think a lot of people would have been upset. So kind of the idea of the books and these games or and these comics from here on out are to explore lesser known characters and events to really make you appreciate the upcoming game more. Mm-hmm. Now, Marvel publisher Dan Buckley approached Bendis as the writer for Uprising and also wanted uh, Maleev as the artist. Bendis was pretty thrilled about this considering he was a longtime Halo fan in all mediums. He wasn't just, oh, I just like the games or the books. Like He loved it as a franchise. And I think at mm-hmm. one point he even referred to it as like the modern day Star Wars before Disney decided to buy Star Wars and keep pumping those movies out. But so yeah, he saw a lot of potential in this. And I think that's why he was very, very quick to jump on it. And he even said he felt no restrictions working with the canon or the lore because for the most part, kind of like with Ghost of Onyx, Bungie was like, listen, these are the few plot points we want you to touch on. But for the most part, just open it up to whatever you want to do. So Bendis and Maleev would pitch their idea to Bungie for Uprising and Bungie would approve it. Bungie also asked Bendis if he wanted to make the setting in Cleveland since that's where he's from. So I don't know if that was necessarily a coincidence, but I think he he thought that they were trying to just be nice and do something cool, which I think that would have been cool if that was the case. And that would be really neat because, one, he's already seen the cityscape and skyline of Cleveland, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. So you can kind of deal with that but two it's just really cool it's like it's your hometown do what you want to do like you get to defend your hometown yeah they as i said they kind of left it open to how he wanted to do this and tackle this he did struggle with the dialogue of master chief spoiler alert he has like what three or four lines and all four issues yeah i think between that it's just pretty much just trying to shut the mic up yeah and it's it's nothing like there there's a lot of people talking to chief but he doesn't reply to them at all so he initially threw out his first script for master chief entirely so he instead let uh Maleev's art define the character as he would say which i think 
it works very, very well. Bendis also looked for Nyland's uh, novels, and he mm-hmm. looked to those for inspiration for writing this. And I think it it shows a lot. You can't. I mean, you definitely see it in this as opposed to the graphic novel, which were kind of everyone's own taking on one of their favorite parts or favorite ideas of Halo. Mm-hmm. This, you see, he actually did a lot of homework, a lot of research, mm-hmm. and made it his own, but made it feel like it fit the flow perfectly. Yeah, because even at one point, Bungie sent him the cinematics for a DVD of the cinematics for Halo 2 because mm-hmm. he was never able to finish that game. And the main goal for this comic was to appeal to people who have never picked up a comic before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's always been the case when you see sometimes these one-off stories from franchises that would have never been in that medium anyways. So that was a that was a huge thing for Bendis to try to do was to not only get people to pick up that first issue but to want to read the second one. Mm-hmm. And another cool thing kind of that we learned in development is that Bendis and Malieve were able to go to the Bungie office and get their hands on Halo 3 while it was still in development. So kind of these cool little perks that happen when you write for Halo. Yeah, it definitely helps. Got to go between the mediums with that. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the meat and potatoes. The comic itself which I mean, it was just already pretty stunning. Like you see the the cover itself. All four covers have Chief just looking like a badass. So the art alone, I think, can suck you in. Definitely that first one, Chief just standing there as there's a Covenant carrier, Phantoms and Banshees just over his head. Yeah, it's it's. I love it. And I love the different color palette that they chose for this because it, it starts with this like really kind of, I, I guess, sunsetty red best way mm-hmm. to describe that kind of going up and over chief kind of to get to those blues and purples of the covenant which i think is just a really eye-catching cover and then you've got that yellow and orange of his visor just start mm-hmm. right there in the center of the cover that contrast i've always mm-hmm. loved about chief's character that no matter what the visor always stands out and Malieve does amazing job of doing that mm-hmm. and to give you guys a quick synopsis of kind of what this story is going over so this is the foreword for it master chief petty officer spartan 117 an enhanced super soldier equipped with mule Owner assault armor and an array of tactical weapons is stowed aboard the Forerunner Dreadnought, which is headed straight for Earth. The Master Chief must stop the Covenant, the hostile force controlling the Earthbound ship. The fanatical Covenant is bent on destroying humanity and ending all life throughout the universe by activating the devastating ring-like weapons known as Halo. Intertwined with the Chief's interstellar one-man war is the saga of a great American city's rebellion and downfall. The two disparate lives shared fate and the Covenant's hunt for an ancient relic of untold power and value on Earth. The Eisner award-winning team of superscribe Brian Michael Bendis and artist extraordinaire Alex Malieve unleash an epic story of mankind's struggle against the menace of deadly extraterrestrials. Halo Uprising, a standalone story arc, fills in the gaps between the conclusion of blockbuster video game Halo 2 and the hotly anticipated Halo 3. I'm not going to lie, even if I had never picked up a comic book and I was a Halo fan, I'd say definitely that description alone, as vague as it is, and we kind of learn more and more about every little plot point they touched on there, definitely would have sucked me in and made me want to pick up the first issue. Yeah, it creates an interesting sci-fi story, and it goes to, even if you're a comic book fan and have never really played Halo, it dumbs it down a bit. It's like, these aliens are attacking, they're doing it for this reason. Mm Mm-hmm. Come join us. Yeah, this story, if you've never played Halo, this story alone 
you don't ever need to play Halo. So let's go through the walkthrough of all four issues. It starts out with Master Chief on a ghost just going through the Dreadnought. And I like that someone in it from the IO station is trying to get a hold of him, but it's he's not responding and it's Chief doing what he does with just being a badass and just killing everything in sight. And this is besides the cover where we really get the intro to the art style we're going to see for the rest of this. Because as opposite we see with the graphic novel, we had four distinct stories of four different artists, Mm -hmm. and then we had some covers that were from other artists. This we're seeing a very succinct four issues. We're going to have the same art style going through, which is really cool. And I really enjoy the art style. Mm -hmm. We'll talk a bit about more of that when we get to the end of it. But yeah, it, it starts off awesome with Chief going out. And then we get a really cool title card page, which gives you the editors, the colorists, the artists, everyone's notice of what they did. Yeah, and and we see, I think we're outside of Jupiter, I think it says, and we see the Dreadnought going through space, being followed by some Covenant Corvettes. Mm -hmm. And and I mean, it's really, they really play off of Chief just being this badass because it's just explosions, killing grunts, throwing grenades, just... Just throwing everything at them, but the kitchen sink, essentially. Yeah, because we, we're, we're learning that he's going through this, as we see at the end of 2, that he's going into plan to try and assassinate the prophet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is this is his mission now. He's got some SMGs as well. Yeah, and we're seeing some of those really, really cool art styles on the weapons themselves. And I love I love the panel that we're seeing with this, which you'll see right at the beginning, is Chief just tossing like three grenades, got this little trail. Three grenades around at him. once. Yeah. Because he's a comic book and not the game where I'm only allowed two now. <laughs> but alas, I do digress. <laughs> and I mean really like the first couple pages are him just going through killing grunts, killing jackals. You even see this horrified expression of this grunt who's getting ready to die, and he doesn't have his methane on, so you can see his nasty little teeth. Yeah, you see him, like, coughing it up. You see him kind of coughing up blood, and he's just kind of, like, bug-eyed with it, and he's just hitting him with that. Next scene, we get uh, Chief shooting him. And so as this keeps on happening, Chief just being the master chief i think they really played off chief being like that cliche master chief that people would think of like a civilian within that universe yeah like he really is that master chief so as this is going on we see a familiar face Mm -hmm. colonel james ackerson and i think at one point they actually say is it ackerson or ackerman like i like that dis like distinguishing between the languages but he's hung up he's bloody he's being interrogated and he's right outside of mars yeah and and we kind of hear before that he's going to be stationed there in i believe it was in first strike whenever halsey's kind of pulling documents down Mm -hmm. and so this is just a, a little tidbit which is kind of interesting story to take on it because we've we've seen him in kind of the evil bad guy role that we thought of, and then as kind of like, okay, you know, he's doing it to kind of help mankind with the Spartan 3 program, and then we see him in this odd predicament outside of Mars on a Covenant cruiser just latched up. Yeah, he, he's he's bloody, and he hears about the, the brutes. They're going to say that they're going to invade Earth, and he says, well, good luck. He says, if, if you attack Earth, you're going to destroy the key of Asanalan. And they're instantly, you know, their their curiosity is piqued. And so they're asking, what is it? Where is it? And he says, I, you know, I, all I know is that if you destroy it, the halo rings will fail like they did last time. Yeah. And, and trying to promise that, like, you'll never appease these profits you're with. And, you know, you're pretty much screwed. 
you know, well, but I do know where it is. Yeah, well, I like even at one point that the brute takes out a knife and just just shoves it like in his like shoulder armpit area. Yeah, so so he's hung up. I, the best way to describe how he's hung up is remember that scene in Incredibles when Mister mm-hmm. Incredibles mm-hmm. hung up. It looks exactly like not as cool, not as cool, but hung up like that. And he basically mm-hmm. takes a curved, almost like scimitar blade, and then yeah, yeah kind of jabs it into the shoulder muscle. Yeah, and you're seeing that he's he's getting tortured for this. And he says the only he says all I know is that it's in Cleveland. <laughs> and it, it, kind of a comical thing is they're like, what's a cleave? Yeah, yeah, they're like <laughs> cleave land. What's a what is a cleave? <laughs> yeah, what is a cleave? And at this point, I guess as us being the comic reader, you know. You can think of Ackerson in two ways, as he's kind of like this high commander who kind of just like bitched out on this and was like revealing that, oh, Earth did have a relic, mm-hmm. you know, and we're like, are you serious? Like he was like, it's gruesome in the comic. Like he's bloodied. He's tortured. You see the blood in his teeth. Yeah. Like. Which is an awesome detail. And you can just tell like he's obviously been here for a bit. He's tired. He's haggard out. And so starting with our next panel in the comic, we then see the classic invasion of Cleveland. Of the cleave. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, it's modernized, and we start seeing the Covenant making their way in and start destroying everything. And and this is the first place in the story where we start getting um, your typical kind of like, I don't, not comic thought bubbles, but they, they're the thoughts of a character in like the blocky text. That what was it like, like second sunrise over New Mombasa? Exactly. Just yeah, like that, that. That monologue in their head. Mm-hmm. And you see it like, uh, in a lot of comic books, but especially like with uh, Enter the Spider Verse, mm-hmm. when Miles Morales finally gets spider powers, he's like thinking and bubbles are popping up. So it's like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But yeah, it's this character, you know, in Cleveland of all places, I'm going to die today. Well, that's just great. Yeah. And and so on this next page, we're then introduced to this character, these mysterious thoughts. Yeah, it's a, a ruin. Mm-hmm. And he's he's basically kind of like he's kind of drinking away his sorrow. He's like, well, this is my life. I'm going to die. We we learn that he's a he works for the hotel. He's a con- concierge. Yeah, he's a hotel concierge. So like he's been checking people in. He basically works the front desk at this this uh, high end hotel. We mm-hmm. learned that Cleveland is a vacation destination, mm-hmm. and yeah. and so he works in kind of like this. From what we can see in the architecture, it looks like a pretty nice hotel. Mm-hmm. Looks pretty modern, pretty cool, and we're seeing this panel, like you said, where he's just kind of mixing up some drinks and just kind of worrying his time away while a lot of people are running away in panic. Yeah, and we can see also Malieve kind of interpret like what the future is going to be like because he's he's randomly wearing these white gloves, mm-hmm. and part of me wants to think, is that just the style? Is that what a concierge wears in? 2500 yeah so all these interpretations are really cool like we saw in second sunrise over new mbasa Mm -hmm. and one thing you'll see in this which is really interesting is he took kind of real life faces and traced them on a lot of what we can call like the npcs or basically the background characters Mm -hmm. he does it a few times with the main characters too Mm -hmm. when he he wants to like nail down some facial expressions Mm -hmm. or get something he's like okay i need this kind of real life feel for it mm-hmm. yeah and while he's drinking what appears to be sriracha this <laughs> it looks like a sriracha bottle the covenant makes her way inside this hotel that he's in so you kind of see this he says oh shit and like he hides under the table like why the hell are they here yeah and and, and so he's hiding and we see a couple of marines make their way in and as the battle starts, we see our second main protagonist of this story is, is uh, Myris Tyla. 
I believe, yeah. Yeah, Myra's Tyla, and we learned she's a she's a performer. And this is definitely not far off, of because Alex and I discussed this before, and I talked about how she kind of looks strange. She has this weird haircut or tattoos on her head, and you kind of reference, like, well, it's like Madonna or Miley or Lady Gaga. Like, yeah, it, it, she's, she's a pop performer, and so she kind of checked herself in. And the assumption with Cleveland being this hot hotel vacation mm-hmm. destination, she's probably performing local... And or no, she says that her boyfriend brought them there. And then remember, he he went off to do something and she's like, oh, my God, my boyfriend just left me. And that's when ruins like he's probably dead, like just out of nowhere telling the stranger that. So she freaks out and kind of attacks him over this while a covenant invasion is happening behind them. Yeah. And she, what I love is on the first panel that they meet, she just goes, we need some guns. Are there any in the back? And he's like, uh, no. No. You're a concierge. You don't you know where like the guards keep the guns here? And he's like, uh, no. I have no idea. And so as they're doing this, you know, she's kind of like taking out on him and like trying to, trying to take charge. You know, a huge explosion happens and causes them to kind of fly out of their cover mm-hmm. and start running away as this main battle between the brutes and the marines goes off and you've got warthogs and turrets and grenades going off in this hotel lobby now Mm -hmm. yeah and this is kind of where that conversation goes down of him saying you know your boyfriend's probably dead because he kind of throughout this comic he kind of acts like a chicken shit through a lot of this comic because he he seems like he he cares about his life but he doesn't because he's just like Mm -hmm. we're gonna die i mean like i i've i've kind of come up with that they're destroying the world we're gonna die and so she's really the only one keeping both of them sane at this point, I guess, mm-hmm. because he's like, we're dead. And she's like, no, like, we need to go do this now. Mm-hmm. So then at that point, when, like, like, great part is when he just goes, yeah, he's, your boyfriend's probably dead. She just slaps him right across yes, the face. Smacks the shit out of him and gets on top of him to try to attack him. Yeah. <laughs> In between this. Yeah. And they eventually they make their way out of the hotel and into the city. And we're starting to see... The damage already done in such a short amount of time that the Covenant can inflict. And I think one of my favorite panels really shows how badass that Miris is, is whenever they're still in the hotel lobby, one of the Marines goes down right next to him. And so she just reaches over, grabs his his sidearm, and then grabs a grenade and then just chucks it. Because they're like, we need to get to the parking garage. Chucks a grenade into this group of brutes, detonates it, and just cool, like... Cool guys don't look at explosions type feel to it. Uh-huh. They just start like running away towards the parking garage. Well, she looks like a heroic jump and he looks like he's just kind of like falling yeah, he's, from it. He's, he's making his attempt. He's growing. Mm-hmm. I like that you see like these, all these futuristic cars, but they get in this red hot rod looking car as they're trying to escape. Mm-hmm. And then this is where we learn from people running back through the garage that basically all the streets and tunnels are closed like like there's no way you can get to them they're destroyed Uh, or debris is there again something we we saw in halo 2 and learned about in second sunrise over new mombasa Mm -hmm. so he clearly did his research enough to know all of this stuff Mm -hmm. and to know like all of this makes sense you could write uh, a whole paper on the invasion of earth itself and how the covenant are attacking these certain areas and what happens in a city. They're going to shut down the tunnels and kind of get everyone to retreat to a central area. Mm-hmm. But then they decide that they need to make their way into the sewers because there, there's got to be a way out of this city because clearly <laughs> Cleveland is the target. Yeah. And and you already have ground forces. We're seeing in several panels of 
Marines fighting around the corner, and there's still drop ships coming in. Mm-hmm. So they're snaking their way around old Cleveland, which is kind of like what old Mombasa was, kind yeah. of like the lower income, mm-hmm. smaller, dirtier area. And so they're thinking that's the best way to escape, because mm-hmm. as we see in this panel, they see two hunters up this pair of stairs. And she just points a gun at them. Like, yeah. that's going to do anything. That's not Halo 1 pistol, sweetheart. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's figure that out right now. And this is this is where you can kind of see uh, Rowan knowing old Cleveland. like, no, 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 no. Shh. Let's, let's do this. We need to plan this out and go this way, because mm-hmm. there's no way... If you've never seen hunters understand what they are, like we can't do anything. Yeah, he stops her. He, mm-hmm. you know, he he pulls a gun up and is like, uh, uh-uh. uh. But then, as they're making their way through, he turns a corner, and now Ruin has a plasma pistol straight in his face, and we see two, uh, see two jackals pointing their guns at them. But the, and then later on, we see, oh, it's also brutes, stealth brutes, actually, in this panel. But it's odd because you're like, well, they, they're not killing them. Mm-hmm. So you're, we're starting to learn a little bit more of like, okay, they have their hands up and they're not dead yet. And they're clearly speaking their covenant dialect. And, and that's one thing I really appreciate from artists like this, that if you don't have a translator and they're not translating to English for any reason, it mm-hmm. does show like their language and their, their dialect and the spelling and things like that. And they did that in the graphic novel as well, and I really Mm -hmm. appreciate those attentions to detail. I would love, because there is a breakdown of the covenant language to our alphabet, I Mm -hmm. would love to one day, if I had enough time on my hands, to go through these panels and see if this is, like, jargon or if they actually had some dialogue in there it's, it's gonna be fantastic guys like i'm really excited jesse just volunteered to do that <laughs> so he's gonna go through every piece of halo media that has covenant tran- not translated and translate it for us eventually eventually <laughs> so yeah then we start to see all of these people being herded into the stadium by the covenant yeah and, and that's where we see again those covenant transports that we saw in halo 2 Mm-hmm. going down in the underground highway we're seeing them actually transport humans yeah yeah that's how they're getting to the stadium we're seeing like the covenant themselves are being brutal but as that's going on we cut back now to chief who's in the middle of being that really really cliche master chief killing off a bunch of grunts until he turns the corner and sees six hunters guns drawn on him mm-hmm. and then they fire and they for sham him yeah <laughs> the yeah the onomatopoeias on here are terrific but it looks like he takes he takes a good amount of it and falls on his ass he takes probably all six shots which arguments have been made in a situation like this like why can other spartans and say ghost of onyx take uh take that shot and die but yet chief well, takes because, six because shots chief plays it on easy <laughs> he obviously finds a shotgun yeah, obviously. Uh, in Halo CE. He obviously takes this and he's fine. Shields are blinking, but he's fine. Yep. And so, yeah, at that point, then he's surrounded by grunts, but you can hear that the grunts are ordered to cease fire. And then we get to the next panel. So we flip the page, we get to the next panel, and then we have a brute standing over him, calling him a demon. Yeah, ch- a, a chieftain. It's the one, it's the golden one. Yeah, it's, it's, your, it's your, your beautiful golden brute decked out. Really cool way they drew the armor in this, which I really like. Little bits of details. Like that kind of like little eye sun that's on his mm-hmm. belt crest. Once again, Alex Maleev fucking killed it. Yeah. Absolutely. Through all four of these issues. Yeah. And so as we see this this beauty of a brute standing over Chief, he goes, the key of Asnalan, you're going to 
give it to us. And, you know, he keeps, ta- he keeps like taunting him. He's like standing on top of his chest. He's like, we're just going to, you know, keep pulling bits of you until you tell us where it is. It, uh, you also see, like, you never realize in the game how freaking big these brutes are because he has his, his foot covers all of Chief's chest. Yeah. And now we switch back, and this is where we see just tens of thousands of people in this, is this yeah, this stadium. Mm-hmm. And this is where the brutes are asking all the humans, like, we need the key. Like, you will be spared if if you give us the key. And it looks like that almost these jackals are firing into the crowd as well. Like, maybe killing off some people to show, like, what they're gonna do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. I guess it's people probably either, you know, shit-disturbing... Or, you know, causing a scene or causing panic. Trying to make their way out as well. Like, they can see they're trying to escape. Yeah, something like that. So you can obviously see, and they're all, all the brutes and jackals are in kind of like those floating watchtowers that you see across the maps. Yeah, in Halo Halo 3, 3, yep. And they're just doing oversight. And this is actually where the brute is communicating in English, or, you know, in an Earth language, it's English specifically here, to everybody. And they're, they're asking, he's like, you know, you are prisoners of war. If it wasn't for us needing something here, you'd all be dead. Mm-hmm. And we're, le- you know, you need to lead us for the key of Azanalan. And he said, you know, whoever whoever it is, step forward. Yeah, you'll be rewarded. And this is the point where Ruin says, oh my God, I know exactly what that is. Yeah, because everyone in the crowd is panicking. Like, what? I've never heard of that. What is that? He's like, I know exactly it's, it's literally what equivalent that is. if I came up to you, I was like, give me the key of Azanalan. And you're just like, what? Yeah, like, uh, I don't know what that is. Like, like I'll, I'll help you, but you have to tell me more. And he's just like, this. And so this is the end of our first issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think I like that cliffhanger. Because yeah. Bendis even said that each, each issue will leave you with a bunch of cliffhangers. And so we see Chief is currently under the foot, literally, of a brute chieftain. Mm-hmm. And Ruin knows what this key is. Yeah, and so we now definitely cement the importance of our two new main characters mm-hmm. as being crucial in of what Ackerson said whenever he was held captive to now. So we're trying to piece that together like, okay, if if Ackerson said it, is this is he like some type of like planted agent? Is he planted Oni? Like there's so many ideas that you can kind mm-hmm. of think of that's how are these two how, how do people know about that if no one else does except for yeah. these two individuals? Yeah, why do these two know about this? So instantly I could I could definitely imagine the second I was done reading this issue being like, oh my God, I need another one. Luckily we we bought the hardback book. Or the the hardback issue. So like the second I saw that, I was like, oh my god! And I just turned the page and I was like, I'm sold. I got to keep going. Yeah, we have the luxury of reading it now, so we don't have to wait. <laughs> we'll go. We'll go into that at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. So yeah, now we're at the second issue. And this art's pretty cool because we have Chief on a chopper coming from an explosion. And what's what's cooler? Tell me something that's cooler than not looking at an explosion. We saw it earlier. We see it now, and we see such a cool, and this is one of the really cool artist renditions of a chopper that really shows, for me, the dimension and size of it, that you're really mm-hmm. seeing this spec. It's really, really cool. It has nothing to do with the issue, spoiler, but it's really, really awesome art to go along with it. Yeah, that was one of the things, is that each each issue, chief it shows Chief on Earth or doing something that has nothing to do with the rest of the comic. Mm-hmm. One of the issues, he's holding a, uh, a gravity hammer, which is actually the cover for this episode that we used. 
He never touches a gravity hammer, but it doesn't matter. It's something to suck you in. We talked about that, like, with Ghost of Onyx, too. Mm-hmm. And now we're into issue number two, and right away we start with that brute on top of Chief. And we start this issue just like we started the first issue with a radio call. You know, Sierra 117, can I get a radio check over you know, yeah, like, yeah, he's in his calm as he's got a 1,200-pound brute on him. Yeah, he's, he's just as calm as can be while he's like, I'm going to rip you limb from limb, demon. Yeah, and he's he's wanting that key. Like, he, you know, what does this mean? Where can I find it? And Chief tells him, he says, it means always. And the brute's like, what? Like, tell me again. And, you know, Chief says, it means always. He's, and he says right here, it means always strip your enemy of weapons before you interrogate them. And throws a, a sticky grenade right in between his legs. Yeah, it's great. And I, and I love, once again, going to the little details of comics, that when Chief is saying this, that brute right on top, you see a little tack, like a little like arming sound for this mm-hmm. plasma grenade. And he just like shoves it right onto him. You see Chief just staring at him. And then the brute just kind of has that panicked like, what do I do? My balls are gone yeah. here yeah. in a second. Yeah. So uh, and that I think is like probably one of the first, is if not the first line we hear from Chief. So far, I don't. I don't know if he he may have said one line in the, the first only, issue. The only thing he he said earlier was telling Io to shut up. <laughs> yeah. It was like Io, sh- quiet, quiet. I am uh, trying to kill the prophet. Trying yeah. to end this war. But yeah, and then after this explosion, we see once again just the size of the dreadnought, and it's still traveling through space. And probably I'm gonna have to put it hands down. Probably one of my favorite illustrated panels that I've seen in a comic in a while because of the attention to detail of this this explosion of that plasma grenade. And just the tonality that he uses for, one, the grenade itself with various blues and hints of that. Mm-hmm. But this this arcing striping of the background. Yeah. That's like, imagine like if a ship went into like slip space and you get that kind of like drawback distance thing. Mm-hmm. It looks like that, but just very pretty. Yeah. It, once again, kills it throughout all these issues. And then now we're left with a bunch of grunts who are now at the mercy of Master Chief. And it just goes through Chief being Chief and killing all these grunts. You kind of see the, the charred remains of that brute. And so now we're back at that stadium and Ruins back again saying like, okay, I know what this key is. And, you know, Myers is like, you do. But then all of a sudden the brute asking blows up. And we see that ODST are coming in to save everyone. They're dropping off of Hornets. And I actually, like, if you were so hyped about Halo 3 and you wanted to know any little detail that you may have not already this known. This right here. Yeah, you're seeing things like the Hornets and you see the Scarab later on and these these levitating towers. Like, mm-hmm. all this stuff that it was cool. Like, you can see, like, clearly they had an insight to what was going on so they could use this or Bendis and Maleev. That way... They could integrate this stuff into the comic itself. So as they're being rescued, Ruin and Myris are going to try to escape. And so as all this carnage is happening, as they're trying to escape, there's there's flames, there's grenades, there's guns going off. You get this myriad of panels on this actually like dark gray page, which is interesting to see at first. And you see that all of this now is from Myris's point of view. And she's talking about how, you know, she really screwed up her... It's, it's like a, a, a almost like a life flashing before your eyes type thing. Because mm-hmm. she's like, I really fucked my life up. Like, my dad was right. I should have done something else. You know, I've written I want, more my own music. Yeah, I've written, written my own my, 
my more of my own music and less that like the you know like the pop junkies told me to do mm-hmm. and you know I, I i wanted to fall in love i wanted to do this and it, yes it's like life flashing before your eyes and she's talking about how you know the media just really wanted her for her body and that's what she did and changed this up and she hopes her boyfriend's dead but really she doesn't but she kind of does but she doesn't because she doesn't and it's just yeah it's like a, it's like the whole internal monologue like trying mm-hmm. to like going back and forth the angel and the devil on your shoulders yeah and like thinking your way through all this stuff mm-hmm. yeah and then eventually ruin it's kind of we see that he was going to make his way out and he comes back and he gets her he gets myra mm-hmm. and she gets her hand on a plasma pistol throughout all of this because it's 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 i like all these like small little boxes showing everything that's happening yeah, and it's it's just like little you know little snippets because we're still in her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're still seeing her her kind of monologue, and she's she's like, when I make it out of here, I'm gonna I'm gonna do things my way. I'm gonna play my own songs the way I want to. So she's kind of like, if I make this out of here, I'm I'm completely changing my life, and I'm doing what I want to do. Yeah, and changing it up. And and what I love is you seen that last panel. She's you know. You know, Rowan, I, I I knew he had a name, like because they never exchanged names except for her. You know, he knew who she was because mm-hmm. he's like, I love your music, like mm-hmm. I have songs, and so she's like, oh, I, I saw his name tag. What was it? Ron, Reem, Ro- yeah. Rowan. You know, she's trying to go through it, and then she's like, I can marry him. Yeah, he likes my music. Yeah, because that was does, that was a thing. Me. He 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 says at one point, as there was like a, a minute or two downtime, he's like, hey, I like your music, by the way. Yeah, which, which she's a famous pop star, but she's still surprised for someone to say that because. She doesn't even like her music. Yeah, and and to like actually genuinely like it, not just fangirl about it. He was just kind of like, yeah, I like your music. You do yeah, a good job. Yeah, because you know she's she says like a Miriam, like he likes my music. He didn't leave me like my boyfriend did. Phil, I think his name was Philip. Mm-hmm. That she says. Yeah, and like when Alex and I were going through this earlier, this panel that everyone is escaping from this this stadium, Alex had pointed out like this panel you can really see real faces of people screaming and trying to escape from all these explosions yeah if you want to the panel it's the shaboom faboom kraboom boom panel we also have some faboom <laughs> boom boom scree boom boom faboom yes yeah, so, so yeah we're doing some mumble rep for you guys real quick as we get through this <laughs> no it's, it's so so you're seeing them outside of the stadium with a couple other people who are going frantic and hectic. And the stadium itself is just rupturing. Mm-hmm. It's just exploding, blowing up. And we then see a panel is like, we need to get out of here. Where are we going? Old Town? All right, let's try and go this way. And then as they start to walk, they see a, they see a warhog. Mm-hmm. They're like, all right, you know, that's probably going to help us. Or at least there's like Marines we can talk to that are right there. Mm-hmm. But it gets hit. Yeah. It takes a fat plasma blast. <laughs> And so they make their way over to what looks to appear to be a blown out warthog, kind of one of those passenger hogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or and, a troop hog or whatever. Yeah. And it still works. It looks like every warthog I drive because I can't drive them well. So they're just <laughs> torn apart. But it still is drivable. And so they start it up. They start driving. They're like, where are we going? You know, how do you know how to drive? I've, I don't know. Let's just go. Like, let's just let's just try and figure this out. We don't know what we're Shooting doing. Shooting from the hip, essentially. Because in this situation, if you don't know what you're doing, just go. Yeah, just go, get out of there. Like, they're trying to make their way out. And, you know, they've kind of established that camaraderie bond since the hotel. So they're kind of forming their own little troop to get out and, mm-hmm. and figure things out well, together. Well, they, they know at this point, like, they need to stay together to survive because they've been helping each other at this mm-hmm. point. And so now we make our way back to Old Town, which mm-hmm. is the area where they were first captured. You know, they're, they're talking about, you know, is it is it good to stop here? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's good thing that we were able to make it out. 
And so at this point, from the last battle, as we saw in some of those panels, they're both equipped with a plasma pistol. When you see them holding them, they look huge in their hands because that's the proper scale. Because to go off a little bit of a topic, I remember at one point, I think it was uh, Brian Gerard and Frank O'Connor talking about how they received these life-size models of the plasma pistols, and you couldn't actually physically put your hand over it. They had to scale them down for when they started selling them. Mm -hmm. So little little details like that, you got to appreciate them. And it makes sense because you figure you have a plasma coil that you charge up and overcharge to emit a huge blast. It Mm -hmm. can't be this like like pea shooter. Yeah, it only seems that way because a seven-foot Spartan and eight- and nine-foot aliens are holding them Mm -hmm. to make them look like that. We see then that Myris sees some some grunts walking, and she charges that that baby up and just fires at them. And and I have to say, it's it's satisfying. Because they just blow up. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is where all of a sudden she's like, she's questioning that idea of like, oh my God, I just killed them or I killed it. Yeah, it, it's it's that same feeling. I personally don't have it because I don't do it, but it's, it's that same feeling as if you're hunting mm-hmm. or in war. If you take your first life, it's kind of that morality question of like, what what did I just do? Well, it's always interesting, like in a situation like war, like back in like the 1700s, like when it was the gentleman's war and we mm-hmm. had the standoff. Typically, when two men would come up to each other to fight each other, one would run away because we're not capable of killing even our enemies. So for this situation, like regardless, like she's just she just can't believe what she did. And she almost goes catatonic with it because she's mm-hmm. like she just keeps saying, I, I killed it. I killed mm-hmm. it. And he's like, listen, like Rowan's trying to like snap her back. He's like, listen, it was you or them. Like, like we need to get a hold of ourselves. Like it was going to kill you if you did not kill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something that she kind of needs to realize for them to survive. Mm-hmm. But then now everything's settled down. You know, Myra's just kind of snapped out of it. So they're going through the Warthog to see if there's any kind of rations or supplies that they can use. Yeah. And, and this is nice, too, because this is one of those moments where... There, it was high pressure forever, and now that they have downtime, they're kind of joking. Because mm-hmm. Rowan says, when this is over, I'm going to get me one of these, talking about the Warthog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's like a little call to like the, the civilian Warthog that was in Halo 2. Mm-hmm. They find some, uh, they find some uniform, not so much uniforms, but like uh, forest green shirts that they change into. Well, they find like basically a, a full kit of field supplies, because they're uh-huh. trying to look for a radio to try and radio the Marines, for, you know, to pick them up or figure out where they are. So they're trying to look for a radio to radio the Marines or whoever can come help them. They find this box of, I would assume, field supplies. So it looks like they're finding uh, electronics in there, a canteen, mm-hmm. uh, flares, clothing. And so they throw a flare down, kind of a fire. It's, you know, a campfire, as they say. Yeah. And they start to change out of their civilian clothes and put on these these kind of fatigues that they find uh, in the vehicle. And, you know, even as this is going on, Myris is still kind of bringing up how she killed that grunt. Like, that's still kind of weighing in on her. And I think for her, too, we, she is still kind of gripping with, I think what anyone grips with in war is, why are we killing each other? Like, why was it going to attack me? Like, what did I do mm-hmm. to set them off? Yeah. Well, first off, it's a grunt, so it was forced to. So you should have killed it. Yes. Yeah. You know, it didn't know any better. And so they're having this really nice heart to heart. And that is where Myers admits she's like, I I was going to leave you. I, like, my jerk boyfriend left me. I was going to leave you. But I'm, I'm so embarrassed. I'm sorry. He's like, listen, you're in shock. I mean, it's, I, I get it. It's okay. 
And, and he even admits that he's in shock too. They're yeah. both in shock, which is very natural. Yeah, he's like, I want my life back. Like, I I hate it, but <laughs> I hate my life as this concierge, but I would give anything to have that mm-hmm. life back over this. And so this is where you start to see them, this really cool kind of, t- this like side-by-side panel. Mm-hmm. You kind of see them do that kind of fall in love like their their faces slowly drift towards each other. Their, their lips are slowly drifting towards each other. Yeah, and I like this too because you get both sides. Uh, when Miris was thinking earlier, she's like, and he likes my music, and like I think this is his name, and like you know, mm-hmm. introduce himself. And he's like, yeah, and I know yours. Like I have your music. I really like it. And she's like playing that coyness, like, oh really? Mm-hmm. You do? And he's yeah. like, yeah, I do. And you know, you're really good. And you know, I I bought it and. I did this, and so she's. They're having this really cool heart to heart, where like he's really talking her up, mm-hmm. and then they start to like flirt with it, and it's just it's a really cute moment. It's a it's one of those yeah. cool things that is really cool to see, like in any of these kind of post apocalyptic or war stuff, where there's still that human side of it that's still included. Yeah. Well, Bendis isn't only showing this from a civilian perspective, like uh, Second Sunrise over New Mombasa, because that guy still worked for the government. He's still seen this. He's showing this from two normal, everyday people, and you start to realize that a hotel concierge and a famous musician are the same kind of person when they're under the attack of an alien race. Yeah, when, when you strip anyone of whatever accolades they have in this area mm-hmm. and you put them in this new one, it's the same thing as if you start a new job. Mm-hmm. Like, you could be the head of job here and you go to this. Or what's really big for everyone growing up, you're in eighth grade, you're top of that middle school, now you're low grade in high school. Exactly. Top of high school, low in college. And what I love here, too, is she finally admits, she's like, I thought about it. If we make it through, we're going to have to get married. And so she said earlier, you know, they'd get married just for the story. And he reiterates that. It's like, mm-hmm. we'd have to get, obviously, just for the story. Yeah, kind of that that joke. And right before, you know, the, as this is this conversation is going on, they're leaning in for that kiss. And right before something happens or, you know, they kind of stop. And they're almost embarrassed that they were getting ready to kiss. But then they're like, ah, it's okay. But then all of a sudden... They hear these noises, kind of like and like those, like let's say like the Jurassic Park, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Well, yeah, yeah, you're hearing kachunk, which is obviously like a big mm-hmm. noise. You hear kachunk, 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 and, and they're like, "Oh my god, they're coming!" And then that's when we see it, Halo Three Scarab, Halo Three Scarab, and it is beautiful. And you can see there are some brutes walking by it, and you can just see the pure size of it. So they they dipset, they get the hell out of there. Yeah, and, and, you, and you see them just start to sprint out as this Kachunking's going by and try and hide where they can. I mean, because it's obviously this huge mechanism, and it's broadcasting out, and they're hiding away. And so Miris is kind of wondering, or Myris is kind of wondering, like, what do they want? Like, do you remember that thing that they wanted? And now we're going back to the key. Like, now we're going back to that being a, a central plot point. And Ruin's like, yeah, I, I know what they're talking about, but I feel like I'm going insane because, like, there's no way I should know what that is. Yeah, he's, he's like, there's no way at all I should know what this is or that they know what it is or that it's the same thing that I'm even thinking mm-hmm. of. Well, I think one reason, like, the the, the name is so unique, Az, Azanalan, is because it's like it, it needs to be so unique that only one or two people should ever recognize that name. Or know what it is. And then, you know, as he's kind of like trying to figure out what the hell's happening, now we go back and we're on the Dreadnought and we see Chief 
I kind of like this shot of Chief just like peering over the corner, like sneaking because he's he's making his way through the dreadnought. He's trying to find the prophet because, mm-hmm. again, he, he has that mission. I'm going to kill this prophet. I'm going to I'm going to finish this fight. Yeah. And so we he peeks around. He sees some grunts. And then this is where we get this really cool full page rendition of Chief pointing two SMGs at would be like camera, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. kind of right at that front frame. And it's beautiful because you see like this explosion across his visor and just like this mm-hmm. just gorgeous work there. And what I love is you still see the residual plasma burn from that grenade. Yeah, on you his still armor. see his, his armor damaged from all of that. We see Chief go through. He now has a carbine. And he's peering down from this catwalk that he's on. And he peeks around and gets to a window. And we see what looks like a, a kind of a bottom platform, some stairs in yeah. the ship. And some of those little, like, covenant crates sitting around. And then we see the panel say, the prophet of truth and his guards. And we see those brutes from Halo 2 that have the, the honor guard armor on. Mm-hmm. And they're all surrounding the prophet of truth. And so now Chief comes into IO Station, or he mentions, like, hey, by the way, they're looking for this key. Like, do you take that all the way to the brass? And then we see him move his target right over the prophet of truth's head. And he says, more to follow. And that's the end of the second issue. And it's been a really exciting one. I mean, we're starting to see, obviously, end on a huge cliffhanger with Chief, who has that reticle targeted right on to the Prophet. Mm -hmm. And then we have our two lovebirds now, as we see them, Mm -hmm. trying to escape through the city and away from basically another chunk of that covenant invasion because as we've learned with all these covenant invasions they send in troops to soften up and then finish up with scarabs and other yeah uh, artillery to come in to kind of take it over mm-hmm. yeah and so then we hear from io station there's transmission coming yeah and w- what's that transmission, what's transmission? Say? i believe they're saying uh if the audience hasn't they should try out audible oh yeah oh yeah because today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash finish the fight and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs and download a title free and start listening today. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash finish the fight to get started today. And one of the things we do recommend with our upcoming one is Contact Harvest. Mm-hmm. Yep, that'll be two episodes from now. Yeah, so two episodes. So we've got our next one's going to be uh, a little surprise. Yeah, we ain't going to tell you just yet. Yeah, I mean, you're going to figure it out. It's Halo 3. But the one after that is going to be uh, Contact Harvest with our very own Joseph Staten writing that book. Yep. So check that out. And once again, that to download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash finish the fight. And again, 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 that is audibletrial.com slash finish the fight for your free audiobook. Thank you again, Audible, for sponsoring today's podcast. And now we're on the third issue, which is actually the cover, you know, the cover art we used for this episode is Chief standing on a pile of grunts holding that big ass uh, gravity hammer. Yeah, it's, and it's beautiful. And it's got this kind of really cool wreckage. With it, once again, a beautiful sunset. Chief only works at, you know, dusk time. Yeah, de- depending on the time of year. Uh, so, yeah, this is probably like <laughs> four. This is about 4.30 in the afternoon. He's a 4.30 kind of guy. <laughs> He's just getting off work and his... His after work deal is just to bash some grunts. <laughs> and so now that we're we, we move our way into 
this issue and we actually see two kids playing and I like that it's even it's you know it's in the 2500s but you can see they're almost wearing like cardboard and paper armor that these children have made so kind of really grounding this idea that even though it's in the future these kids are still kind of being kids and we what, what do you want them to have you want them to have motherboard armor i don't know man you want them to have like <laughs> cyborgs crawling across them they're just kids they made some sweet armor out of boxes <laughs> but regardless we see these kids playing and we see the name Ruin come up. And he says, you know, Ruin, take the key of Ozanalon and take it to the castle to the North Hills. Yeah, so it looks like, uh, you know, two friends, two brothers. We don't really know at this point yet. We just know that they are kind of playing, they're playing make-believe. They're playing like mm-hmm. a Dungeons and Dragons type thing. Fa- fantasy thing. Yeah, because they said, oh, the dragon, like, I don't see it. Where is it? And it's like, you know what? The dragon's up to you, and then he's then that's when the the older of the two says, "Here's the key. Like, take it to the North Hills. I'll take the dragon." And it's foreshadowing some events that we're going to see coming up in the issue because we have the older one of the two says, "But I have to fight the dragon. I'm going to be the one that has to do that. Your job is to take the key of Asanalan. 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 I don't know. Let's just move on from. We're going to say take the, the key. We're going to say the key from the rest of the issue. Yes, take the key. Because he's older. He has to fight the dragon, so you're going to take the key, little dude. And so, yeah, the the older brother wants to take, or the older friend, brother, whatever you want to call him, we don't know yet, might have spoiled it there for you, whatever, takes, uh, you know, he's like, hey, I need to take this, I need to go slay the dragon, you can go and you can see the princess, but you have to take the key and go unlock it. And, and at this final panel, he says, have it there, you fire-breathing ass face. And I love it. And, and you can see as, unfortunately, as you know, these brothers, um, as these brothers, these brothers are just like, the older one's just teasing him. And it's fantastic because he says, oh, you want to kiss a dragon? And the little one's like, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. I want to kill the dragon. He goes, you said kiss? You're a dragon kisser. <laughs> I said, I could go. I love little stuff like that. Yeah, definitely seeing, like, just brothers beat brothers, essentially. And then we see this this shot of young Ruin, and then it instantly goes to this old shot of, like, you see him as a kid, he's energetic, youthful, and then this modern shot, he just looks sad and beaten down. And he's still kind of in the sewers of old Cleveland. Well, it brings back that last frame that we saw when he was saying, I think i'm i feel like i'm going insane yeah and it's that perfect um you know movie industry feel where like you have like the younger face superimposed over Mm -hmm. the older one that that one goes away and you see it so it's like the same exact positioning it's really a beautiful shot yeah and now he's explaining to myris once again like you know i i know what this key is like you i want you to confirm that you heard that they were asking about this specific key and she's like yeah he's like and this is where he says, I made this key up. He says, my my brother and me, you know, we made this up when we were kids. So it's kind of crazy to think like, oh, my, like, why is it that or now we're kind of figuring out like, OK, Ackerson knows about this. Ruin knows about this. These two brothers made this up when they were kids. So now we're kind of making this connection like, oh, my God, that's Ackerson. Yeah, it's Colonel James Ackerson. Yeah, Ackerson and his brother. Yeah. And, and you see that he's kind of babbling on. It's like we used to you know, play knights and dragons. And it was a thing we made up for this, this game we played. And at this point, Myris is just like, what are you 
babbling on about like what are you talking about because i i can only imagine being in her situation like this guy is like i made up this thing that this alien race or this alien faction is looking for this alien faction that we've been at war with for 25 years i made up that thing that they're looking for with my little brother yeah when we were kids and we never really talked about it since so now he's just trying to like reassure her like listen i i i made this up and that's kind of and anytime he tells someone from there on out, and rightfully so, they're like, wait, you made this up with your brother? Because no matter how crazy the world is right now, that's crazier. And he brings up that, you know, he keeps saying, a sonalon. She's like, yeah, that's, that's what I heard. Mm-hmm. A sonalon? It, it's not a common word. Yeah. And she's like, well, I don't know. Maybe we all heard it wrong. And he's like, there's, there's, I heard it. I heard what it was. Two different, two people heard that exactly as they should have yeah and and so he's just kind of re- as you would do this alien race somehow knows your little kid code and you're like i i, I don't know is it could it could it be something else could it be this and after this like i, I don't have any idea why they know that but i do know that my brother is a higher up in the military mm-hmm. now we're truly like you know okay yes they are brothers ruin and and Ackerson are brothers. Or I should say more, James and Ruin are brothers. Oh, exactly. And what I love is that he knows that his brother, you know, is in the military. He's like, oh, he's spec ops. And whatever that means. Yeah, whatever that means. But we don't really talk that much. Mm-hmm. Myris kind of suggests, like, maybe your brother told the Covenant about this, which uh, we already knew that. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But he's he's like... Why would they believe that he makes this key up? Like, like who who would ever believe this key? And she's like, I don't know. And <laughs> just, so they just decide, well, okay, we need to figure something out. Let's get out of here. And they start to load up uh, that that troop hog. Yeah, because he says, let's go. We're going to go find my brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is he he barely even knows where he is. But their their mission now now they have this. It's not surviving anymore. It's like we need to find my brother because apparently there's a reason he told the covenant about this key yeah that's the only explanation because you know he's kind of kicking those dots and that's what a little conversation sidebar was was him kind of starting at point a and getting all of those things that kind of get him to point z to amazon it as you might say Mm -hmm. and uh get it get it there and so they load up and i love this other little frame they have we have uh, Miris in the back holding an assault rifle, and he's driving through, and they're basically just this kind of badass duo now. Mm, yeah. So now we're back to Chief, and he has his eyes on the prize. We, he still has that reticle on the Prophet of Truth. And as he's getting ready to, you know, he hears IO Station coming back, and as he's getting ready to pull the trigger, a jackal from behind him shoots him, and he falls down from that catwalk onto the platform. Yeah, and my, my favorite thing from this is, as he's still scoped into his head, you see that the prophet is asking, you know, the, the commander says, and do we still believe that the demon is still aboard? Is he still alive? And they said, uh, yeah, we, we haven't found him or are not really sure. Like, we'll figure it out for you. And he's got that reticle just directly on his head. <laughs> like, he's like... I don't know. Maybe he's here. And so, so <laughs> yeah. So he gets shot and flies down. And this is where he lands right in front of God and everyone and the Prophet of Truth. And Prophet of Truth at first looks scared as hell. He does, you know, turn around and 
shoot that that jackal that shot him like straight through the mouth oh, off it's, the back it's, of the it's, head. It's one of those cool ass comic panels that's like strip, 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 strip. And it's just like watching him tumble through and able to put a shot, yeah, straight through the jackal's mouth. Mm-hmm. And so after Chief takes care of that jackal, he turns around and goes to shoot at the prophet. But, you know, those those stands that they sit on have beams and instantly shoots one straight at Chief. So afterwards, then Chief starts shooting at him, but he has this kind of smug shit eating look on his face because now he has this kind of shield up Mm -hmm. and all of the carbine shots are just reflecting off of it. And he slowly backs away into a door and the door shuts in front of him. Yeah. The prophet of truth. Yeah. He backs up. Yeah. The prophet of truth backs up because he had basically his brute honor guard around him trying to deal with it. And, you know, he had his own defenses. Yeah. And then he puts up his little orb. Just giving that little smirk as like backs mm-hmm. up that door, like see a bitch, closes it, and then and then we have this shot of Chief, you know, kind of recovering from what just happened, and he's surrounded by over a dozen brutes, including a brute chieftain with the gravity hammer, all getting ready to pounce and strike, and he only has has one spiker or spike rifle getting ready to fight all of them, and then the narrative goes back to Ruin and Miras. Yeah, so so we get back to them, and like after his. Unfortunate devastation. Mm-hmm. And by this point in Cleveland, it's, it's daytime. We were dealing in most of the night after that attempt to figure out what the key was at the stadium. Yeah. And so now we're in the morning. And it starts off with them. A little classic road trip humor. You mm-hmm. know where you are. Uh, kind of. Kind of, yeah. And then they run in front of a bunch of brutes. But it's so different from how they met in the beginning to where now they're kind of like know what they're doing because Miris, Myris, however we pronounce her name, just starts shooting at all these brutes. Yeah, she just opens up and then he like... She's got an assault rifle. Yeah, she opens up with the assault rifle that she had and so she's in the back transport area and so he hits the brakes, tries to swerve around and then we get hit with a big old faboom. And then what what pops on the hood of the warthog but a brute's severed head. Yeah, and, and so they, they come to a screeching halt right when that explosion happened. And so as they're reveling in their victory over it, overhead they see a Pelican dropship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which you could kind of assume maybe was the cause of that explosion, or maybe it was her. It's never really fully yeah, disclosed. And, and I think for her, I think her thing was more of like, I never thought I could really do that. And she's, it, they were like, oh, I didn't think so either. Yeah, so uh, trust I, me, mutual thought. Yeah, I think it's kind of assumed that the Pelican kind of came in, saw this uh, Humvee you know, the uh, driving around and wanted to go ahead and help them. Yeah, seeing, you know, fighting civilians or someone fighting. So after all that, they meet up with soldiers and basically ruins like, hey, I need to find someone who knows Ackerson. And luckily, one of the soldiers does say like, Ackerson, like, I do know that guy. But the second they kind of, you know, they find each other, we see a troop transport just crash into everyone because there's a bunch of civilians there, too. So, you know, instantly, like, we kind of get this, you know, okay, we're going to make some headway on Ackerson. And then instantly just stuff starts going to shit. Yeah, and, and it's not known if it's if it's shot out of the sky, because we do see another pelican up there, if that was shot mm-hmm. down or where it was coming from. But yeah, this checkpoint that seemed to be where they drove up upon with that pelican mm-hmm. has now been either bombarded or ambushed by like you know debris or, or whatever they did with it. But the one thing that pops up, so like they, they kind of recover. It's kind of that day's recovery you see in games and movies where like their ears are ringing and they're kind of looking around to help. And you see Rowan's panel, you see his brother see james as a young kid 
yeah, holding up the key and smiling and looking at him. And and so so he he comes to and then he sees Miris and they look at each other like, Are you okay? No, no, I'm not sure she's you know, no, let's 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 try and figure this out. And she says, Well, my motto used to be if you're feeling shitty about yourself, just imagine there's someone in the world in a worse situation than you. And then this is where we then see Chief. Yep. Well, yeah, we just learned that there's someone in a worse situation because we see now two different, you know, the two style chieftains we see in Halo 3, and we see every kind of, you know, ranking brute there, and Chief just picks up the spike rifles and goes to town on them. We see, you know, spikes just tearing through the the brutes like butter, and they're speaking their covenant dialect. And this whole really... Which, which, going back, Jesse will translate for everybody. I will translate one day if... They are using the proper dialect right. on the comic. All right. If, I'll allow if it. they are, I swear to God, I will. All right. I'll allow I it. swear to the forerunners, I will. <laughs> yeah, this whole scene is cool. This fight scene, because at one point you see Chief just, you know, actually use the spikes on those spikers and, sho- you know, shoving it straight through uh, a brute's face and shooting through their faces. Like, yeah, because I think one of my favorite parts is when he takes the spiker and just shoves it into his chest. You see the blades, the dual blades, stick out. out of his back. Yeah, pop out the back. And he's still firing the spiker mm-hmm. through him. Man, this I mean, really, this comic paints Chief to just be a badass. If, you, if you're not convinced by now that Master Chief isn't just the baddest Spartan out there, this comic will change your mind. Hands down. And still, one of the greatest things I love about this, and going back to that main panel we saw where he was surrounded by, you know, the jetpack brutes, the chieftain, mm-hmm. and all the ver- the variety of them, you could still see that his armor is still more damaged mm-hmm. than before. And what I love is you see weapon damage. So when he is picking up that spiker, you see that it has some wear and tear just from being a used weapon. Yeah. And now these weapons are covered in brute blood. Yeah, now they're super used. <laughs> And once this carnage has settled, Chief is surrounded by the bodies of dead brutes and their blood. And it shows this top-down view of this scene that's very eerily similar, if not an exact recreation of the beginning of Halo 2. That that kind of court where the Arbiter is being tried for letting the original ring explode. Yeah, and that huge like amphitheater, because you've got like, that stadium seating, mm-hmm. you've got the stairs leading up to it, and... I still love, and we'll bring up, because we, we did jump over this a little bit, who like the colorist and a couple other people were, because he did a fantastic job mm-hmm, Absolutely, with the tonality of it and showing the brute blood just all spouts all over. It's really cool. Yeah. And so after we, we view this carnage, we actually go back to our two protagonists, mm-hmm. and they have made their way aboard the Pelican, and it's them and a bunch of civilians, so it's basically, it's... What we could kind of figure out from the beginning was a checkpoint out of the mm-hmm. city. Yeah. And so it's them two sitting or standing together. And across the way, they see an older man, an older woman, and this child sitting there. And uh, Miris looks down and is like, are you doing okay, sweetie? Like, do you know where your parents are, where your mom is? And she actually brings out a like little holotron thing. Yeah, it's like kind of triangle or rhombus yeah. looking shape. And, and you see that, you know, it's it's... It's her, and it's her doing performing. She's like, I really yeah. like your music. And she's like, oh, sweetie, that's nice. This character kind of learning more about her, she's always underplaying her own music, even though mm-hmm. two strangers now have recognized her, but like, I really like your music. Yeah, and she's like, oh, thank you so much. And then we kind of get abrupt away from this really sweet interaction that says, you looking for Ackerson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're we're now 
we see this, you know, Marines say, you know, he's on Mars or, you know, that's the last that we knew until the Covenant attacked. And Rowan's like, let me let me get there. Like, we need to get to Mars. And he's kind of like, you you don't understand. Like, we have no more Mars. Like, well, first of all, you got to think we lost reach mm-hmm. a minute ago. So we're probably going to lose everything up until Earth. Yeah, because we don't have any defenses or military bases mm-hmm. as big and as large defensible as what we had now towards Earth, which Reach being the second, basically, most well-defended area we had. Mm-hmm. And so we see with that Marine kind of reconfirming that we lost Mars. Rowan's like, you you lost? And I think he kind of gets that realization about his brother. But then Miras jumps in, you know, as that co-pilot with him. And is like, well, maybe, maybe we should try. Maybe we should try anyhow to see if we can get there. Because if the Covenant are here... And so... She's really trying to help, but that Marine's like, listen, if UNSC Mars is wiped, like, or if they're here, UNSC Mars is w- gone. Yeah, like, absolutely. There's, there's, there's no way. But they keep trying to have hope. He's like, well, m- you know, Rowan asks, maybe he's captured. Like, mm-hmm. there, there has to be some explanation, like a prisoner, you know? And and that Marine tries. He's He's really trying to be like, hey, listen, I don't mean to be mean. But if that were the case, like, let's hope he's dead then, because mm-hmm. what we know from the past of Covenant taking any prisoners is one, they don't. But two, if they do, like, it's going to be a bad time for them. And they would wish they would have died there on the spot. And we we see that. That's how the comic starts with mm-hmm. Ackerson being tortured and having these blades just dug into him. And now we see really what that was all about, because we have Rowan trying to explain to the Marine, I am his brother. We made that up as kids, and mm-hmm. they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" We, I don't we, understand. Like, what are you saying? We once again get people being like, "You're you're crazy." What are you talking about? And he has to re-explain. Like, I know it's crazy, yeah. but we made this up as it was, kids. It was a game. It's not real. Mm-hmm. And then I love the Marie in the bottom left panel. She's like, "You gotta be shitting me." Well, again, in a time like this, with everything that's impossible happening, that's still even less likely. Yeah, and and I think without Ruin doing this, they would have never figured out what they had to do because he's like, listen, I know this sounds very weird, but it's it's very specific. Have you ever heard that term ever? Mm-hmm. We made that up. There's no other way. So I guarantee that my brother is still alive when, at least when they heard that word. Mm-hmm. So he has to be there. Yeah, Azanalan. Like you don't. That's not something you make up, or that's or that's not something that's. It is common. something you make up. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not something that's common. <laughs> yeah. And so Mirrors comes forward after they're kind of bickering back and forth because he's like, I still don't believe you, and he's like, Listen, maybe he did give this message so that he could save his brother's life. Because mm-hmm. why would they pick Cleveland of all cities to come and attack? And we saw how they treated New Mombasa, mm-hmm. and we saw how they do all these other places. They just glass the area. Yeah. Well, even then, like. When the Covenant are looking for something, they don't destroy the area. They clear it out, but they don't destroy the physical area. And so, again, why would they be coming to Cleveland? And why would they be asking about this key that this guy and his brother made up? And his brother being Colonel James Ackerson, who was also captured on Mars, theoretically. And Ackerson knew the magic words to say, like, if you destroy the key, no more Halo. Yeah, he he's... He's clearly where he is because he's smart. So he just had to get those buzz and those keywords in their head to make the Covenant freak out. And then my favorite dumb phrase of this comic is that same Marine talking to Mirrors goes, hey, you're famous. 
<laughs> and it's like there's no reason for it and like it, it's real like people are like oh i i know you're like shut the fuck up <laughs> like we got stuff going on again that realism bringing this down yeah and, and so so that the miris and uh the marine kind of start talking back and forth and then you got ruined kind of saying hey i told you me and my brother did this we're not making up that we you know we're we made up the key. We're not mm-hmm. making up the story that we're telling you now. Mm-hmm. And this is when the Marine then rogers over to his command post mm-hmm. or to his commander. Yeah. And so they're going to go meet up with them and explain for the 17th time they made up the key. Mm-hmm. And with this this final frame we see with them leaving the city, once again, I'm a sucker. I am definitely a sucker for a good full frame. Yeah. And this is a beautiful full frame. Yeah. And, and, it's, and so when you... T- when you take a look at this, it's really cool. You've got four pelicans leaving Cleveland in this kind of smoking wreck. It's still there. So the artist still paid attention to them going through and not fully, you know, leveling the city. But it's they're yeah. smoking ruins. Yeah. You see clearly the Covenant has done some damage there. And now the narrative switches back to Chief throwing or he's he's running down this hallway and a chieftain comes out of nowhere and you see him just throw a grenade behind him and it just explodes it's, like it's the most casual like murder he's committed on this like, now he, he it should have like don't have time like yeah. he's just gone like i this might be one of my favorite things that we see chief do throughout the franchise it's just really just playing him up to be just the baddest fucking dude and then, you know, now we now it's at the ending, full frame shot, like a full mm-hmm. page shot like Alex likes. We see the dreadnought hovering above Earth. Yeah, and we see just the destruction going on in the air and just this battle pursuing it's or be- ensuing. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. We've got space battle. We've got seen stuff being attacked on Earth. It's awesome. And so then that concludes our third of four issues. Mm-hmm. And now let's move on to the final issue of Halo Uprising. If you want to talk about a cover that has nothing to do with the comic, here's Chief on a hill looking down at a city with a Covenant sniper rifle. It's cool, it's beautiful, but you know, we never see this in the comic, and that's fine. Because again, this is supposed to draw you in. I see this, and I'm instantly like, oh my god, I need to pick up this this cover. It's beautiful. And I don't know if you noticed, even with those flames and stuff around, I think it's still sunset. It is still sunset. He's a 4.30 man. 4.30? <laughs> Master Chief is 4.30 p.m. man. Because oh. I think this is taking place around November-ish, so I think that, that kind of adds up. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> That's lore now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, now we're kind of in the sewer, and we see the soldiers along with Ruin and Miris making their way to what we find out is command. You know, they're in the Cleveland sewers. And we see that with this, the demeanor of the soldiers have kind of changed with mm-hmm. Rowan. That they're kind of like, hey, look ahead. Like, don't touch a soldier. Like, keep going, boy. And he's like, I'm not. Or, yeah, kid. Okay. He's like, I'm not a kid. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you talking about? And uh, you, you kind of see that he's changed from like him being a civilian to him being like this asset that they don't really want to deal with. They need to just, yeah, like, or don't even want to risk him doing anything stupid or anything like that. Like, yeah, he knows something they need. Exactly. He's now just an asset that they have to bring to this place. Mm-hmm. And so then they, they break open into this open area within the sewers where they have a bunch of computers and workstations and terminals set up. So they've got an HQ underground. Mm-hmm. And so we then see this sculpted man 
with a beautiful face, as I might say, uh, <laughs> says, what's this now? And so you're obviously telling that he is kind of the guy in command down here. We have Sergeant Twyker running everything. And so we have to once again explain that Ruin made up the key. And even at one point, he's like, I, I don't care what this cat has to say. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like, listen, like, yeah, you have to hear this. He was kind of pissed at them. He was like, uh, why'd you bring some civilians down here? Yeah. And he's like, I, they got something to tell you. And he's like, I don't care. I, yeah. like, like deal with it later like I have other stuff to do and then finally mm-hmm. when he brings up that he knows Ackerson it's like a whole different story mm-hmm. yeah like I know Ackerson who is like one of the top brass yeah and luckily this officer down here with Sergeant Twyker he has a like tech guy with him who's like let him just talk let's let's see what he has to say you he's, just assume he's a tech guy because he has glasses yeah and a cool bandana <laughs> he is because his name is Wesley, he's the Intel operations manager. <laughs> I told you he's a tech guy. And uh, so tech guy. And so, so he's like, let me hear. And he's like, uh, you know what I'm talking about. He's like, Asanalan, like, I, I made that up. And so he's like, and it goes back to like the same conversation. You made it up. You know, I, I. Oh, you and your brother made that up? Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, I know it's crazy, but you know, that same conversation. It's a little gripe. We've heard that too many times in this freaking comic. Yeah, and and so, but but it had to be done. Like it had to be done true, with the story. True. And I think just because we're talking about it now too, you kind of focus on it a lot. Is we're like, they're <laughs> saying it again. They're saying it again. Uh, but he he asks again, like, why did you take him down the secure area? And finally, he's like, Colonel James Ackerson is my brother. He's like, Ackerson. He's like, I I trained with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very small world kind of thing. Like this is all working out as if like fate is bringing them all together. Yeah, and I, and I love the line. Like the first line he gives is like. Your brother owes me money from way back. And he's like, yeah, sounds like him. Yeah, sounds just like him. <laughs> yep. And so we do have some conversations going back and forth about them uh, talking about making up the key. And he's like, we did. And then we have Mears jump in, who's like, and I think the aliens captured his brother, and he told them about the key to to screw with them. And mm-hmm. I think she's kind of getting this idea, too, and getting civilian points of view of, like, I think this is exactly what happened. And so they kind of go back and forth talking about, and we get the same thing from another soldier. It's like, hey, you look familiar. Like, kind of like Twiker. Yes, Twiker. Yeah. It's like, it's like putting her down. And you're like, come on, man. But then he says, like, but then you have Rowan chime in, like, hey, guys, uh, I'm still here. Uh, just to let you know, uh, there, there still is no key. I guess I, we still made it up. Yeah. Like, hey, why are we dancing around all this? It's made up. They're looking for something that's fake as hell. Yeah. So then, then they go, okay, uh, fine. We need, we need a DNA test of him basically like we need to scan mm-hmm. figure out who this actually is if he's his brother for real or what's actually going on we have to figure those things out yeah because this is the point this is all so crazy that it's like okay let's at least confirm one thing like before we start believing the next thing and the next thing and that and that's when ron brings up he's like okay let's let's get a key or like you know like everyone's kind of talking like we should get a key like we should we should set a trap for the brutes and mm-hmm. let's get a key mm-hmm. for them because they, they want a key so they can get out of here and that's when uh, Mr. Tech Guy, as we will call him, yeah, uh, he he comes up. He's like, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we can, we can do better than that. And that's when I was like, what? Before we even can figure out what they're going to do, the narrative now switches back to the dreadnought hovering over Earth, and we see the battle kind of ensuing in space. And so I assume he's talking to the IO station still, but he reaches out, says, hey. I'm surrounded by Covenant ships. I tried to kill the Prophet of Truth. I don't know where he's at right now. And so, you know, they're like, all right, well, stand by. And he's still just doing what he does. 
see some Covenant dialect. He's just killing everyone in sight, throwing a million grenades at a time. Faboom across the screen. He's fabooming all over. <laughs> it's great. And, and I love that earlier. It's like, you know, they said, stand by for orders. He goes, all right, standing by for orders. And immediately he just starts firing at everything. He's like, oh, just uh, wait here, I'll I guess. Just, yeah, because, again, like, Chief's that kind of static robotic character of, like, they told me to stand by, so I will stand by. And, you know, as he's standing over a pile of Covenant corpses. And, uh, and, and, uh, and then so he finishes up the corpses, finishes up this room. He gets a, he gets a, a another radio comm and says, CR-117, what was that? Over. And he says, holding position. Over. You know, just very casually, like, I'm just still here. Like, don't worry Stand about by. it. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, said, proceed to the bridge, new coordinates incoming. And now we are outside of Cleveland in the Burbs in uh, Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Yeah, kind of this like little, let's see, like all these old mom and pop shops surrounding, like almost like looks like a small town. Yeah, this almost looks like a theater on the right with this little marquee. Yeah. And it's like little like dessert shop looking areas. Like it's just a little quaint town. Mm -hmm. And he's just kind of standing in the street. Almost kind of looking nervous, and then if it, it, like he flashes back to someone saying, "Do you hear me?" It's the uh, it's the tech guy explaining the plan, what's going to happen, and so what they're saying is that they through channels they were able to communicate with the brutes and mm -hmm. have a drop off point that's basically a neutral zone that they can deliver the key yeah. over to them and you know and get out of there like like that was the deal mm -hmm. that they had, and so what they're saying is that they're going to offer that, but if they bite, which they'll probably do, that they'll have to send in one of our men. And so that's when Rowan's like, I'll do it. You know, we shouldn't, yeah. we shouldn't have to sacrifice good soldiers when I can go and deliver the key for them. Well, he even got to think, it's like, even if he dies, he, he, he's assuming that his brother is dead. He's really not doing much, much with his life. I think he's just like, I, I'm going to be the hero for once. I'm not going to hide under the table mm -hmm. like we saw when this comic first started. He's volunteering himself to be captured by brutes. Yeah, to, to take that risk because he even he even brings up that, you know, I'll do the drop or, you know, whatever you call it. And he said, no, 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 I should do it. It's my fault. Mm -hmm. He's putting this blame on that or on himself for mm -hmm. what's happening to everybody else and he says you know if they ask me any questions about it you know any other childhood memories about what the key is only he will know mm -hmm. because let's say that james ackerson did tell them oh you know it's with the dragons you know like whatever little hint yeah. there would be only he would know and only he'd have like the time to relay it himself mm -hmm. if it is a yeah, trap yeah, yeah. for some reason yeah so it's like he he it's not his fault but it's this Cleveland invasion is happening because of him. So now he says, okay, I, I can play my part in this war finally. Yeah, and this, that's like when the sergeant finally agrees with them. He's like, you know what? He does have a point. Um, you know, all we need, we need all of our men to be able to fight. We, we, we can't spare anyone. Mm -hmm. So, and we need all the weapons we have. So we're going to send him unarmed, you know, for this reason. Yeah, because I can't send him armed or he will die right there on the spot. Yeah, and then this is slowly, this last panel is kind of what you get an idea of what's going to happen mm -hmm. because you have tech guys saying, sir, with all due respect, uh, we don't want to give classified covert op to a civilian. And then that's when you have the sergeant say, this ain't a covert op. 
you know what this is. Mm-hmm. And so, so it kind of gives us this weird inkling into what's going to happen. Yeah, he's he's going on some kind of weird mission that's not a covert mission into or behind enemy lines. Yeah, and you're kind of thinking, okay, even if they just do the key handoff, he's probably going to be taken up by brutes. And if it's a trap, he's taken. So it's a suicide mission for the most part. It kind of from his understanding or what we're starting to pick up. Yeah, because you may not make it back. So, you know, you have a small chance of because you're not delivering anything. You're delivering yourself mm-hmm. as the key. Yeah. And then we kind of see, you know, flashes forward to a, a phantom hovering right above him and a beam comes down and the brutes are going to approach him here. And then it goes back to him talking to Miris about, you know, I she doesn't want him to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she she kind of chimes in and says, you know, why are you doing this? You know, she's because she's saying, this is definitely not the same guy I found hiding under a desk yesterday. Yeah. And he says, yeah, how about that? You know, mm-hmm. like, Ugh. I grew balls. Yeah. And she's like, I can get us out of here. You know, some of these guys know my music. Like, I can work my charm. And he's saying... You know, and he, they're joking again. He's like, I heard famous can be cool like that. Like, he's like <laughs> still has that charm you've kind of seen mm-hmm. through him through the issue, which has been awesome. And he's he you can see him him definitely struggling with this because like, I, I think I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she says, well, what if your brother was trying to save you from all this? Like, what if like his dying wish was that? And it goes back to like, you know, maybe he was, but he saved me. Maybe he also saved me to do this. Yeah. And then they have this really, really beautiful moment where, you know, she says that, so maybe that is the incentive for you is like, you want to help people and get out of this alive. And he's like, yeah, it's a pretty good incentive. And she's like, I'm alive because of you. Mm -hmm. Like you have been this kind of rock for, for us, but he admits it was both of us. Yeah. It was, you know, a two way road. Yeah. It's a two way road with it. And what I love is that, like, you have this really endearing moment between the two of them. And, you know, she says, or he, he asks, he said, hey, will you write a piece of music about this? You know, mm-hmm. about it? And she's like, I guarantee it. And she's like, come back and I'll play it for you. And then they have this super, super beautiful moment where they just hug together. Because they kind of both know. Yeah. Like, they, they, they kind of both know this mission that he's going on to. Mm-hmm. And then you have Tech Guy come over and says, it's time. They want to meet. They want the key, and you can yep. just see them kind of crying. Yeah, and, you know, they they want him, mm-hmm. or, you know, they want the key. So then as he's standing there, you know, flash forward now to the present, he is surrounded by all these brutes, and a chieftain approaches and says, you know, we want the key. And he just says, okay. And they said, where is it? He says, it's me. I'm the key. Yeah. So now he's not delivering. He is technically delivering the key, but he's telling them, I am that key. Yeah. You know, and, and goes into it and says, you know, because it's, it's, it's a really cool setup because we were kind of hearing before and we're like, you know, this isn't a regular mission. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a better idea of what to send them. So he's actually sending him. Yeah. And then narrative changes. Now we're at Chief fighting off more Covenant. I feel like we've said that <laughs> well, 80 least, times. At least this time, he's making his way to the bridge. Uh-huh, yeah. And, you know, we see a cool shot of him with it, you know, just shooting, you know, brutes in the face, killing grunts. And so now we cut away from Chief, who's kind of communicating over to IO, kind of talking about that the ship 
is on its own course. Like I, I can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going this way. And they said over. And then we go over to the Prophet of Truth's quarters. And then we have the same question he asked earlier. Commander, is the unholy one still aboard? And they're like, uh, we've taken control of the bridge. Uh, the Spartan is not here. Uh, we don't know. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of love- like, oh, shit, you're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, the, the guy who did know, uh, uh, Steve the Brute, yeah, he was murdered earlier on, and he did know, he told Jerry, who, in marketing, you know Jerry? Uh-huh, he's Jerry, cool Jerry's marketing. Um, yeah, he died too. He, yeah. took, he took a spiker uh, right to the chest. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's unfortunate, but uh, we don't know. We had these interns, these grunts. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, had, we had the interns, they were great guys, great guys. Don't get me wrong. Um, unfortunately, dead because yeah. of the demon too. Yeah. So it's it's an I don't know right now. Yeah. yeah we'll yeah, get back to you. We'll table it for now. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 they're going back and forth, and and you know there's the the panic of like where is he? Like why have you not found it? And so he says, you know, it's it's they're talking back and forth. He says it's holiness. It's best to get off this ship. Like we we have to get off. He has a fucking ghost right now. He's just killing everyone. We yeah. We need to get out of here. Yeah. And, and the prophet's saying. It's one human. What are you guys doing? Pal, have you played Halo Combat Evolved or 2? If you would have, you would have known that it's not just a human. It's yeah. the Spartan, my friend. Yeah, and so, so as Jesse said, they're like, uh, he's commandeered a ghost. He's headed out of an airlock. And I said, illuminate him. And I like that they use that term. When I first read it, I was like, oh, I get it. Plasma. Yeah. Illuminate. Illuminate. Brighten them up. I like that. Yep. And so we see the next panel with this kind of flaming ball going out of one of what looks like one of like the ports. The ports or bays they have. And so you see one of the the brutes, you know, say target destroyed. He's kind of like on a little intercom. Mm -hmm. Target destroyed. And so most holy. So then, this is this is where we go back. So so they've kind of gone over, and you see that smirk mm-hmm. on the prophet's face. He's like, mm-hmm. And then you have another report that's the word uh, from Earth, from the Cleveland, uh-huh. as they say. We have obtained the key of Asanalan, a human aboard the harbinger of piety. And the narrative kind of switches back, and we see that ruin is being so. So he's back underground before he's captured by the yeah, birds. yeah. We're flashing back, and he's being injected with a tracker, like a kind of like, let's say, nanobots. Yeah. So basically, they're saying they'll, they'll pick up anything, but this will mix in with your blood, and it looks a lot like blood plasma. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically. Uh, tracker like you'd have like with you know a chip you install on your, your pet or something mm-hmm. like that yeah so they they gave him this and they said we can't give you any weapons but we can do this that way we can track you and know your whereabouts at any given time yeah and and so we keep seeing these these kind of panel by panel where it'll it'll cut to the brutes like pointing all their spikers right at him and then grabbing him and telling him to come into the ship but then also cutting back to the sergeant saying at this level you know they're dumb they're dumb worker bees who work with guns and armor. You know, it, this, the second that they, they kind of scope you out, they'll notice there's nothing wrong. You're just some weak mm-hmm. human. They'll allow you aboard. They'll panic knowing they don't have like a key key mm-hmm. to give. So they'll call command. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really cool play-by-play. Like you'd see, I mean, it's, it's a very cinematic play-by-play. Like you'd see like yeah. any type of movie that's setting this up, which is real cool. And, you know, they'll, they'll think about it, but then they'll probably take you aboard and take you right over to one of their hiring commands. Yeah, and that's exactly what they do. And so, you know, they say, you you may, even if they do that, you may be tortured, 
you know, mm-hmm. you know, you captured and just S- stuck there. Sets them up for like what's going to happen. It's yeah, like your he, life is probably going to be a living hell after this. Yeah, it, you know, at the best of it, you meet up with the prophet and have to deal with that. At the worst of it, you're tortured and beaten for intel. He's like, I'll mm-hmm. never tell. And they said, Oh well, wouldn't that be big? You know, <laughs> like like the commanders or the the sergeants kind of riffing with him and you know treating him like a soldier now, like because he is sacrificing his life with it. And they said, you know, whatever they'll do, uh, it'll be a hot spot. Like, it'll be important. Like, you're not just going to go to some random, like, prison thing. Like, you're going to mm-hmm. go to a place that really matters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they said, uh, once your coordinates are, uh, are beaming back to us when you're in command, mm-hmm. like, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll use you as the target. And uh, even them big alien assholes won't know what's going on. Yeah. And I like that the sergeant even says, you know, your brother was an asshole, but he was he was a badass. Yeah. Like we all kind of respected him for that. So seeing that, you know, when we first meet Ackerson, he's kind of a huge prick. And now we're kind of learning that he does have the respect of some people, at least, you know, some guy that he went to, to boot camp with. Yeah. And, and I love this ending thing. You know, we have the sergeant saying, you know, they got to him and he sent them here. And then you have Rowan say. So we just wait for them to call back. Mm-hmm. And then the next panel, he has a hood over his head and he's in the back of a phantom mm-hmm. being transported to the higher ups that they talked about. And now we see the Covenant Cruiser Harbinger of Piety. And this is right by that dreadnought that Truth and Chief are on. So he gets his hood taken off. He's surrounded by brutes and a prophet. Yeah, and so we see it from afar. I mean, we're not really sure because it looks like a prophet from right mm-hmm. there. Um, but then we get the intel that they're in the chamber of the minister of inquisitions on the harbinger of piety. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like the inve- the interrogator. Yep, the guy who's just going to mess you up and make your life a living hell. Mm-hmm. And so, so he goes, uh, you know, human. So this is the key of Asanalan, and he's like, uh, y- yep. Yep, that's, yep it is. that's me, pal. Uh, it's like the, the interrogation starts and basically, you know, he's like, OK, so you're the key. What do you open? And as this is happening there, you know, Io is coming to chief like, hey, uh, we're going to have some firepower coming your way real quick. Like they're they're also um, saying, like, your coordinates are being uploaded. And then it's going back to this minister saying, you know, like, what what do you do, like, for Halo? Or, like, what do you know of Halo? And the, he's kind of confused. He's like, Halo? Yeah. And, and at the same time, we go back to all of our guys in Cleveland, you know, and they're saying, okay, he's, he stopped moving. He's obviously there. You know, let's go ahead and start targeting him. And they, they fully lock onto a target. Mm-hmm. And then this is where cut back the chief, and I said, "It's a little hard to target uh, in your radius. Immediate activate, you know, evasive action required." So this is where we're seeing that they're like, "We got some shit coming your way, my friend." Yeah, and you need said, to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. And so then, like the next scene, chief is outside of the dreadnought. He's just hanging on the side, and they're like, "All right, chief, I mean, you need to get the hell out of there. Like, you need a way to get home." And he says, "I'm on it. Over." And that's the last we see of Chief. And it kind of, you know, that's what leads into Chief. He takes a piece off the Dreadnought and falls into Earth, starting Halo 3. Mm-hmm. But we're not done with the story yet. Nope. So so we, we finish up Chief's portion of it, but then we go back to uh, Rowan. Mm-hmm. And it's 
one of those like just really beautiful kind of ending moments with mm-hmm. this brute's talking to him his own dialect and he's just kind of in his own world he's going his, back his to, eyes are closed and it's like it's like almost his head is tilted back he's like drifting off yeah he's reminiscing he's seeing him and his younger brother running around with swords and cardboard again mm-hmm. or as jesse would think you know a bunch of techie gizmo gadgets as kids <laughs> have in that age uh, so running around and it's 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 a really serene beautiful flashback for him and then the narrative comes back to the present and this is where the prophet's like you you think we're stupid but like we we're try like we know that your friends are tracking you like they're not going to be able to come rescue you you're screwed yeah. and he's like uh-uh son i'm the target and he's like whoa what yeah yeah, and basically he says, you know, I'm the target that they're going to fire at. And the the minister says, what? And his last words are, kiss my ass. And then the carrier is no more. Yeah, so we so that, that NASU station uh, MAC platform just fires a Mac, MAC rounds as the MAC rounds fire and just decimate that cruiser. Mm-hmm. Yep, and so this was a suicide mission through and through. And now we're back around Mars, and we see Ackerson. And so I, I like that he's, you know, he's got the shit kicked out of him. He's covered in blood. And they said, Ackerson, there is no key. He said, there is no key. And he's like, are you asking a question or stating a fact? <laughs> and he's laughing at this point. He's like, how many of you died looking for that key? Like, yeah. you, you, you fucking idiots. And I love that he's just like, oh, man, that was a good one, even for me. Like, you guys are fucking stupid. Like, he's, like, he's laughing in their faces. And then he's like, you know, you guys are going to lose. Like, we're going to win. And right as he says that, he's decapitated. And this is where we see the end of Colonel James Ackerson. So what he did is he went down. You know, he I think he did this to save his brother, but also to just fuck with the Covenant as much as humanly possible. And in the end, he went down smiling and laughing at them. And I love that, like, Ackerson, as far as we can tell and what we've read about and heard about, he never really ever picked up a weapon, mm-hmm. but he killed more Covenant right there mm-hmm. than most other soldiers ever have. Yeah, like, he, you never see him, like, even when he was supposed to be in the battlefield, he got himself out of it, but mm-hmm. he was still being tortured and interrogated, and he still found a way to fight. Yep. Like, you, it, that's it's fucking awesome. Like, it's amazing. And honestly, we'll go into this as we recap, but that is such a cool ending mm-hmm. for a character that... We originally hated the beginning. Yeah. Kind of understood a little bit in the middle when he's making the Spartan 3s. Mm-hmm. Ghost of Onyx, yeah. And then now kind of this really cool badass ending for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it, it was, again, it was like I had never read this before. So I was like, oh, my God, I, I like Ackerson. He can be a dick. He can be an asshole. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, he is looking at Earth's best interests. So now, you know, we're at a relief camp in Ohio. And we see a bunch of civilians just hanging around this camp. And we see Miris writing that song for Ruin. And then we finally end our amazing group of stories. Yeah, kind of these these two or three stories happening all at the same time. Yeah, and, and I love it. And this is such a great panel because we have James and Ruin back when they were kids. And James is saying, hey, wait for me. And Ruin saying, kiss my ass as they're running through that field. And mm-hmm. it's just like three, I would say, f- so four kind of culminations of a beautiful ending story. You could have ended at any four of those moments, mm-hmm. and it would have just been a beautiful, serene ending for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's it. 
Yeah. That is Halo Uprising. I did not know what to expect coming into this. I thought it was going to be lots of guns, lots of shots, lots of action. I didn't think that Bendis was really going to tie this down and make us feel a lot, you know, other than like, I thought it was going to be just a, a issue where it's like, yeah, fuck yeah, Chief's just shooting a bunch instead of just you really relate with these characters and you feel sad by the end of it, you know? You do. And and this is another one of those stories that I really love that your main characters are not chief related. They're not dealing with any of that. And you somehow come to just love all of them, mm-hmm. which is so good. And Even it, Ackerson. He makes us like Ackerson. Which is, oof, that's a tough one. Because we started this podcast saying Ackerson was a dick. Yeah. Um, b- before we continue on, we're going to kind of give you guys some more details. I wanted to touch back and give some more credit where credit is due in this mm-hmm. issue. Yes. Um, so as we said, Brian Michael Bendis was the writer. Alex Maleev was the artist. But we also had Matt Hollingsworth, who was the colorist for this, which is mwah, beautiful colors. Amazing. Chris Elopoulos was the letterer. Ruin. Boom. There you go. We're already in there. Ruin Jadalik, I believe that is how you say it, was the editor. Joe Casada was the editor-in-chief, and then, as we said earlier, Dan Buckley was the publisher. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to give a big shout-out to all of those guys and yep. make sure that we did mention everyone in this because because most of the time, a lot of these guys may get glanced over because we have kind of Brian and Alex mm-hmm. being the heads of this. The, kind of, I mean, their names are on the cover, right? Yeah, the names are on the cover. The, the foreword and the afterword are kind of all about them. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to give shout-out to everyone else in between that before we continue on. Yeah, so... We have we have all four of these issues. Now, typically, whenever you're going to have a comic book come out in four series, you're going to get, you know, it's going to be a four-month span. That wasn't really the case with Uprising. Not a single issue of Halo Uprising was released when it was supposed to due to continuity errors along with writer Brian Michael Bendis working on Secret War as well. Issue one was delayed from July 18th, 2007 to August 22nd, 2007. So so not too bad for first issue. It's only about no, a no, month. No, 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 no. A month is fine. The second issue was delayed several times from August 29th, 2007. That was the original release date to November 21st, 2007. So, so you know, a little bit worse. A little, three you know, months. You know, not, a little bit worse. Not, not the end of the world, but it was worse. Yeah. Issue three was delayed almost 10 times from September 26, 2007, the original release date, to August 13th, 2008. Well, here's the thing. It wasn't a full year. It was not a full year. You know, you know, you got to no, no, think no. about that. You, you did get it. At that 11-month mark. Yeah, you, you got it 11 months later. Issue four was delayed Again, almost 10 times from the original release date of October 31st, 2007 to April 15th, 2009. There's no justification for that one. Well, it's not a decade. It's not two years. It came out. (laughs) It It was published. It was a good story. Yeah. Nonetheless. Here's the thing. At the time, if you were dedicated to this and you had heard the uh, announcement of Uprising and knew that it was going to be this four-part, eventually knew it was going to be this four-part series, Mm -hmm. the first delay, you're like, whatever, I'm still going to get the issue, awesome. Second one, that super sucks, but it's only a couple months later. On that third and fourth, man, that would be tough. To really keep Especially up with that. If, if, you were, if you were married to this and there was hype yeah. around this, we'll talk about it here in a minute. 
But let's go into the there was there was some variations of the re, the release versions. Mm-hmm. So you could have just those four issues. Yes, yeah, so uh, four individual comics themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you have the hardback issue containing all four issues, which also has interviews with Maliev and Bendis, mm-hmm. around, along with uh, Frank O'Connor and Brian Gerard. Yeah, and they do kind of a quick overview of the the graphic novel. We have that. That's what we used. It's it's really super cool to have. Some people were asking us on our Discord and Instagram. You can find it on Amazon or eBay. For like thirty dollars. Yeah, it's not bad. And it's like once again going back, as we said in the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. What I love with graphic novels is you could always pick it up, reread it, but also just look at the badass art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this does include some of just the stencils mm-hmm. or like the outlines of the art with no color. Still pretty phenomenal. But you also have the Halo Oversized Collection, a collection of Halo graphic novels released through Marvel Comics containing Uprising, Bloodline, and Helljumper. We will be covering Bloodline and Helljumper just so you guys know. So if you want to read ahead, go for it because we will be covering those eventually. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about the general reaction of this comic. As with most Halo projects, the initial release would be a huge success. And this was no different with Uprising, with the first issue selling out in less than 24 hours. Though with the delay of the following three issues, it would be impossible to keep the hype that was built around the first issue. And that would be for, for anything. If, mm-hmm. if you were telling me, like, you get like the best comic book that's ever been created was mm-hmm. coming out, and it was four of them, boom, pick them up. One, second one's a little bit, okay. But you're right. Once you have almost a year and then almost two years of gap time, mm-hmm. you've already kind of forgotten the story. You might have sold your issue. You might have pitched it. Like There's a small circle of people, and I'm, I'm just assuming because by all means, in 2007, I wasn't really paying it. I, I had little little knowledge about Halo other than what I was playing with like Halo 2 and Halo 3. Mm-hmm. Sure as hell didn't know they were making comics. I knew about some books. But you better believe my attention span in early days of high school, I would have forgotten about this initially. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of people did. They There are clearly a few fans that were married to this project. But, you know, it definitely fell off, you know, with, with that hype. But I will say first issue selling out in less than 24 hours is phenomenal. And they had to do a reprint. So I can only imagine how much those first editions probably are yeah i mean it's really cool and you'll get that with a lot of comics that kind of build the hype around it mm-hmm. it's just unfortunate that this took too long because i think that definitely hurt sales it yeah. definitely hurt a continuation of the story if one were to happen yeah i, I kind of think that would have just been like they could have done more and maybe worked with bendis and believe a little more but i think just with everything going on it didn't happen yeah. You know, many critics would fault the story that would seem to be centered around the Master Chief, but we would see others take the spotlight instead. The lack of Master Chief in the comic would haunt Uprising like it almost did the graphic novel. Which is so dumb. I, my, my only thing about it, I will say, is when you have four issues with Chief on all four, it is a little misleading. I get that you have to have Chief to sell because still Chief is the face of the franchise at the time. Especially, yeah. So I can understand that, but I can also see how if you're a casual gamer or a hardcore Halo guy who wants to pick up a comic and learn, you see Chief looking like a badass on these comics, you pick it up and then you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, I think he gave us just the right amount. Um, and we'll get into opinions a little bit later, but... Mm-hmm. I think it was just the right amount. I think it was for the hardcore gamers that wanted mm-hmm. that shoot, shoot, kill, kill, boom, boom. There's plenty of that, and it's done expertly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that Bendis wrote this 
for uh, comic book fans mm-hmm. while kind of trying to appeal to Halo fans because you can you can see a fucking seasoned veteran writing this there's no way fans are but like this was such a good story to tell like there's there's no way some guy first year of writing like this guy was wanting to appeal to people who would truly understand it and again we did get chief bang bang shoot shoot Froom, froom, whatever. Froom, froom, boom, boom, shloom, Yeah, shloom. whatever was going on. I, I think overall, though, that I, I can see both ends. I could see why people are disappointed. Mm-hmm. I can also see people, you know, telling them to shut up and it kind of being justified. Yeah. And and once again, we're, we're taking this from our goggles of 2019. Mm-hmm. And we're yeah, not yeah, doing yeah. this back then when issues are released and when Halo 2 is... Still fresh in the mind with Halo 3 coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Halo 3, you got to think. This first issue came, you know, this first issue came out about a month before or even a few weeks before Halo 3 came out. Mm-hmm. So the point of this is you wanted to see a little more insight into that, but unfortunately, we never did. So, like, clearly, you know, they're they're including those things from Halo 3, but you only got so much before you realize, you know, April 15, 2009, Halo 3 has been out for 18 months at this point. So, yep. like, I'm not looking at this for any kind of insight into no. the, the universe. So let's go on to the lore now. If you're, if you're looking for this or if you're looking at this comic and you want to learn some more lore, what does this do for the lore? What do we learn? Which the first thing we see is we see what Chief did on that Dreadnought. Mm-hmm. We see the battle that ensued, him just going batshit crazy, balls to the wall, and beating every ass in sight. Which I loved it. It was awesome. And it definitely gives us that start to three instead of you just rocketing out of the sky and landing mm-hmm. in the jungle for Johnson like, to be like, hey, it's fine. Yeah, like you get on the Dreadnought and then jump off of it. Like, I, I never knew. I never knew that any of this happened before then. So definitely seeing this like, okay, he he had he only had to leave because he was going to get blown up. He like he even tried to kill Truth. And it was cool to see Truth fighting back. Like that's something you, you didn't think you would ever see. Yeah, he's just not he's, he's not that kind of frail. He's still a frail prophet, but still shows like some teeth. Mm-hmm, exactly. We're back in the corner. Mm-hmm. You'd never know what a dog's going to do. We also see another area that the Covenant invaded, just beyond Antarctica, Africa. Thank you. We, yeah, we see Cleveland, of all people, of course, but then, you know, we've learned why. Still really cool to, to see, you know, this this small battle, not small, this big battle for Cleveland during the events between Halo 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. And we also see Ackerson's grueling fate, you know, what what ends up of him, because you 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 never think to know. I, I definitely I never knew. I was like, OK, he probably just faded off into existence. Like, no, he gets captured. He gets tortured. And by the end of it, he goes down with a smile on his face, losing his own head. That's where the only part that I kind of have an issue with. Mm-hmm. Is that Ackerson's always pretty much kind of been that book boy for us. Mm hmm. And now that you are killing him off in this, it for me, it would alienate the book crowd who've been kind of following his story throughout that. And if they didn't pick this up, you're kind of like, well, what happened? Yeah, you're like, who is this guy? I, I don't know, man. I have mixed feelings on it. I, I, I can see your point, but I think I like that at the end of the day. Like when again, when he's backed in the corner, he shows his teeth. So I, I like how they, they wrote him off. I, I personally don't have a problem with it. There wasn't a lot I had a problem there that a lot that I had a problem with when it came to this comic. Little things like, you know, the whole like reoccurring, oh, you're famous. And then, oh, I have to explain 
the the key thing 17 times but at the end of the day you also got to think that uh by the end of this i would have had 18 months between re- reading that third issue and that fourth issue well, again and they're separated and the big thing too is uh, both of them recurring helped part of the story along where you know is you know oh you're famous oh i know you mm-hmm. she admits hey if you don't want to do this i've got clout i can, yeah, I can get us out of here now and you know him saying no this has to be done i think was kind of where all that was kind of pushed together i can see that i can see that and you know let, let's i guess talk about overall like we have been but what we think about mm-hmm. it I think, you know, it told a great story. I know you and I talked about it on break at one point that you can tell that Maleev traces faces, which you get that realism. Mm -hmm. But with main characters, you should stick to one model. And by all means, maybe he did. But there are times where the main character ruined. It it looks like he modeled after five or six different people. Maybe that's that's his art style. But in the same with, you know, the other character, the main character, is that it, they looked like different people throughout the comic, even like per issue, you know? And yeah. maybe that's what he did. I, I don't know. I Maybe we should look into that and revisit this. But there was a little bit of inconsistency with that. It was just completely different faces. But I think overall his art style was superb with capturing those expressions of, of fear and sadness and seeing love in between two people. Yeah, I I have to agree totally. I think, like you said, I think that's my only gripe was there was a couple panels when we flip pages where we go, who are they who are they talk? Oh no, they're they're talking to Rowan. He's yeah, he's just making a weird. He's got a face. Big, he's got a big boxy face now, yeah. and it was just kind of like off. But that's fine. That that's an art style, and if that's how it's done, it's okay. We figured it out. Mm-hmm. As far as the rest of the art style and the writing of it, it's expert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I super enjoyed it. As I said, there's there's no way you can't see a seasoned veteran doing this. And by all means, Bendis is a very well-known comic book artist or comic book writer. Mm-hmm. So by all means, you get a big name like that on here. And he was thrilled to do it. And you give him creative freedom to do that. You're going to get a very good product out of the end of it. Well, And you have to figure uh, both of the Ackersons. They lived it up to like they they took Halo up to eleven with it like that mm-hmm. whole like badassery of like I'm gonna give the Covenant back their bomb yeah. like it's that type of feel of it where mm-hmm. like I kind of did you know he, mm-hmm. he gave him the coordinates he's like you know kiss yeah. my ass yeah and yep. then and then you have James the same end he's just like oh you guys did that you're fucking dumb you big dumb idiots yeah you know yeah definitely and the char- there's character development within mm-hmm. four issues there's character development you have a guy that was hiding under a table now is like i'm going to be the target i'll go down fighting like yeah. i'm perfectly fine with that you know his last words were kiss my ass and it goes back to that same line with miras that's talking about uh you know rowan you saved me and i think with that last panel where we see her she's a refugee doesn't have that glitz and money anymore, but she's mm-hmm. writing her own music and she's writing that tale. Mm-hmm. And I think he, through that sacrifice, gave her life and allowed her to live her own life. And is a really awesome, cool story arc as well. Yeah, well, it's not even like just gave her life to breathe another day, but gave her a life that she wants to live. She's now going to go off on her own and do what makes her happy and write about a man that she fell in love with in a very short amount of time when they were both just as desperate as one another so yeah that that's it that's halo uprising and maybe we sound like broken records five out of five great book pick it up if you can and let us know what you think about it 
Yeah. Yeah. If you can, like, that's great. For those of you who, who don't necessarily want to buy it, check out your local library. Mm-hmm. Check out things like that. Like, they have plenty of resources for those type of things. Because Absolutely. we would love for you guys to kind of be a part of this with us. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do seek out some of the sponsorships we do and do seek out some of these things because we want you guys to be informed, to have those resources at your fingertips. Yeah. And to join our community. And on that, I want to kind of push, we just had another super, super awesome game night uh, this past Saturday. Yep. We, we pushed some new game modes. We had some new members, which is super, super awesome. I love to see that grow. Yeah. And this next one we're having, which we'll announce on Instagram, be two weeks-ish, one week when this is released, will be a, a total Halo 3 episode pushing for our next episode. Yeah, yeah. The, the session will be all Halo 3 game types, what, you know, more so than we play sometimes. But yeah, in preparation for our next episode which is spoiler alert halo 3 mm-hmm. lots of cool things in the work for that i'm very excited about this one it's going to be our biggest episode yet yeah it's gonna be our biggest yet and it's gonna be i think really the one that jesse and i put uh, a lot of work a lot of work into mm-hmm. um a lot of favors to ask and, and a couple of things we've pulled which i'm super excited about yeah exactly um, so we'll see you guys there yeah we'll see you in two weeks and with that i'm your host jesse reiners and i'm your host alex kendall and thank you for tuning in to finish the fight a halo podcast halo it's finished no i think we're just getting started